Okay, hello everyone. Welcome again. Wednesday movie night. And we've been praying and praying on what movie we shall play tonight. And we just came up with one about seven minutes ago. So, <laughs> so we're always happy to have it drop in. <laughs> Sometimes in the nick of time. So, tonight's movie, really we are are following again when we put these polls out and um, this recent week the the poll what came in on top of the of our poll and survey was consistent miracles consistent miracles and and it really I think that's important to take a moment to talk about that it actually, if, if you're going to really open your heart up and you're really going to get into your purpose and you're really going to like catch fire with your purpose of waking up, then there's some part of you that really knows that it's going to take consistent miracles. It's not going to take an, an odd, odd miracle here and there to light your heart up. You know, those are important but it's going to actually take a pretty consistent experience of the miracle. In fact, uh, in A Course in Miracles, Jesus says that, that He wants you to become hab habitually miracle-minded, or habitually right-minded. Because it's going to take like a, a momentum, it's going to take like, a, you're going to have to cross a threshold where you get so enraptured with your function, that it takes over your mind. It's like the light takes it back. So it starts off with a spark of light in your mind, and that's what the miracle is, and then the more you are open and say to Jesus and Holy Spirit, I'm here, I'm here for you, and uh, be you in charge, uh, go ahead, perform those miracles through me, through my mind, through my heart, through my experiences, then that's going to light your world up, which is really lighting your mind up. So, uh, that's the first top uh, survey thing, the consistent miracles, and then um, underneath it is the opening to, developing and opening to faith and trust, which of course that's, that's the fuel for the miracles. You have to have the faith and trust. That's why trust is the first characteristic of a teacher of God. And Jesus does say in that section on the development of trust, he basically says it's the first characteristic to come in for the teacher of God, and it's so important that if the trust goes, so do the rest. It's like a, a, a bowling alley, you know, with all the pins. The lead pin in the bowling alley is the trust. And if you can hit that trust pin, cha-choom, You've got all the characteristics developing all the way to open-mindedness, number 10. So you might say, it's like 10 pins, the first pin is trust, and if you can really hit the first pin, then you can get a strike. <laughs> you can strike out the ego <laughs> by the trust, but the trust radiating through your mind in terms of, of miracles. So that's really what this movie is about. And, and what is it that the miracles are doing? The miracles are lighting up the mind and they're actually undoing the false self-concept that the ego made. 
So the ego is just a belief in separation, but that's a very deeply rooted uh, belief. Most of the ego is like an iceberg, it's under the surface of consciousness. If you walked up to people and you say, name a hundred beliefs that you're holding on to that are keeping you from heaven, people would go, oh my God. You know, because the mind is not in touch with the beliefs, it's in touch with it's in touch with what it perceives as its everyday life. You know, it's not, it's looking at uh, refrigerators, it's looking at, at houses, at cars, it's looking at interpersonal relationships. It's not accustomed to looking at beliefs. That's what, that's for the philosophers. <laughs> that's for the, that's for the shamans, you know, <laughs> to dig in, dig down there deep into the unconscious. You know, it's looking at, at what's going on in my world, and it's very identified with the script and the stories of the world. Sometimes I, I give synonyms to uh, this time-space world, this cosmos, and one of, the, one of the synonyms that I give to this world is, I like to call it Distractionville. So, so when you have your mind engaged in Distractionville, you're concerned about paying the bills, you're concerned about the body, you're concerned about survival, you know, you, you want, would like some love, some romance in there, you would like, you know, some people think, I need a good job to be part of my Distractionville, a new career. And the only thing about Distractionville is that when you get too distracted in Distractionville, the heart closes down you get into bigger, better, faster, more. You get into competition, you get into striving, you get into survival, you get into all these things that seem very pertinent and practical in Distractionville, but they've all been set up to keep you from knowing who you are. So you might think sometimes that you're actually succeeding in Distractionville and then as you go towards your, that promotion, towards that extra sal raise of salary, towards that bigger house, towards that second car, what do we have? Let's have a summer vacation house to add on to the first house. You see how in Distractionville you just try to add on more things uh, to get a better life. And you really think you're succeeding when you get more of these things, more skills, more ability, more money, more uh, success, and this and this. And as uh, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Paul Simon would say, you believe you're gliding down the highway when in fact you're slip sliding away. The nearer your destination, you're, you're slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. You know, this is a a good song, slip sliding away. You know, the nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away. So this this movie tonight is is a wake up call because the main character, first of all, there's great music in it, and you need great music. That's why we have the music lover's guide to enlightenment being developed because. If you're going to have consistent miracles, you've got to have a good soundtrack. Uh, you've got to have a good soundtrack for your, your life. So you want to have a really good soundtrack. So we're going to have some Beatles music uh, coming in to serenade us. It's the music. You know, I think from the beginning song, I think the song is like, 
Got to get you into my life. Da -da 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 -da. You know, got to get you into my life. That's, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit singing. Got to get you into my life. Got to get you back in your mind. Come on off that screen. You know, you got to, you've got to learn to, to come inside with the Holy Spirit. And so, the Holy Spirit's going to try to grab you immediately when you get into Distractionville with got to get you into my life. It's, you've got to come back. You've got to be, you haven't, Jesus says in the Course, you haven't gone back far enough. You haven't gone back far enough in your mind to find the light. The light is buried deep in your mind and you haven't gone back far enough. So, the music will grab you, the music will serenade you, so the Beatles are going to be in there helping us out. Um, and then Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. We need some humor. We're not going to make it to the light without some humor. If the first mistake was forgetting to laugh, if we remembered not to laugh at the tiny mad idea of separation, we're going to need a lot of humor to get back there. Because if we start taking this dismantling of Distractionville too serious, then it's going to feel like our spiritual journey is like a task. It's like an obligation, like, oh God, what's God going to run me through today? What hurdles do I have to go through today for God? And, and it starts to get real heavy if you don't have music and humor uh, in your dismantling, then you, the ego is going to be saying, you're, it's falling apart, your world's falling apart, when actually it's just being retranslated. The whole world that you perceive is just going through a a retranslation process with the Holy Spirit. Now in this movie, um, we're going to see that that our main character, played by Eddie Murphy, he, you know, he got married, he had a beautiful daughter, and it has all the beginnings of, of starting to heal through relationships and open your heart through relationships. But in Distractionville, the ego doesn't like healing through relationships. The ego just only sees relationships for getting. So, it's quite common that um, even when you have a marriage and you have a, a child and you have this beautiful context for healing through relationships, then there's a breakup, a separation, or a divorce that comes in and right away uh, in Distractionville, this is seen as, oh well, we have to just accept, accept these things and, but there's other things going. And, and quite frequently, it's, it has to do with oftentimes work, where uh, somebody becomes a workaholic, uh, the focus is on money, earning money, the focus is on uh, profits, the focus is on the company's success, and amazingly, if you put all your energy, your mind's energy, on the company's success, on making profits, on making money, and earning money, the communication will suffer with your partner and with your child. Uh, and this, this happens very often in Distraction Bill because the ego set it up that way. The, the ego doesn't want you to find true intimacy. The ego doesn't want you to uh, open your heart through communication, 
The ego is actually afraid of heart-to-heart -heart communication. The ego is much more interested into material gain than it is heart-to-heart -heart conversations. And so the forces of the ego are going to try to basically continue the fragmentation and continue to scatter the mind. And how this happens is usually through a self-concept that gets dedicated onto either fame, fortune, pride, pleasure, attack. Um, it, it basically is, is pretty obvious. When, when you give your mind over to the ego, you feel less and less whole. You feel more scattered, you feel more weak, you feel more uh, crazy, you feel more vulnerable. Uh, the ego will just take you more into distractionville and, and it's like, it's not interested in you going inside. It's not interested in you finding the light. It's not interested in, in you coming back to eternal life. But nevertheless, that is the Holy Spirit's mission. Got to get you into my life. You know, it's, it's got to get you back into your purpose. Because that purpose is so important. So we'll find in this movie that the Holy Spirit can use anything that the ego made. The Holy Spirit is going to use a, a cute little girl, a little daughter. The Holy Spirit is going to use a, a little magic blanket, a blankie. Uh, that's a good one, you know. We like it when the Holy Spirit comes at us with uh, unusual ways. A blankie, a little girl, and also uh, the little girl has imaginary friends and that, you know, sometimes when children have imaginary friends, it's a lot stronger connection to spirit than we believe. <laughs> That's exactly how the Holy Spirit can come into a family, is through the imaginary friends of the child. <laughs> because, uh, because the little child, you know, the Bible says a little child shall lead them. And also the Bible says, uh, it says, Except you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus explains this in A Course in Miracles to say, except you become as dependent on God, as, as dependent on the Holy Spirit, as little infants are on their parents, on their mother, then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, he's telling us right there, except you become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us, we need to be we can't just be hearing the Holy Spirit a little bit here and there. Okay, Holy Spirit, I got five minutes before I got to go to work. Okay, let's get it in here. You got any messages for me? Okay, oh, time's up. Got to go. Got to get, you know, then at night, God is great. God is good. Thank you, God, for the day. Okay, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. You know, no, you're not going back to the kingdom of heaven with a few minutes of prayer per day. It actually means you have to become God-dependent, which means you need to just be so intuitive and so tuned with the Spirit that that reaches you. And in this case, it's going to be uh, a cute little daughter who has imaginary friends who bring messages. Um, and that is so sweet. You know, isn't that a beautiful way that the Holy Spirit can crack into the self-concept? A little child with imaginary friends. What a beautiful way to receive it. Now, you have to be open enough to believe it. And she does. You know, 
to her, they're very, very real, and they, they are mighty companions, and they're with her, and she loves them, and they love her, and they give her messages. And so this is going to be the symbol in the movie. And what you can see is, if the mind is willing to, to tune into this guidance, then the self-concept will start to dismantle, the relationships will come back together, that were splintered apart, the communication's going to go up, because it's just going to turn more and more into heart, heart to heart, honest, open, really spirit-led communication. That is the purpose of relationships, is just heart to heart, spirit-led communication. And that will, in the end, transform the ego's distractionville self-concept into the spirit-inspired forgiveness self-concept, which is really just the forgiven world or the happy dream. So, I think you're going to enjoy this movie. I, I was praying on this movie, not this movie particularly all day, but I was just praying on the main themes that we were going to cover tonight. And then I started to get like a feeling for Beatles music, and then I started to get a feeling of humor. And I thought, humor and Beatles music, and then uh, we have a little base camp. Francis put this movie on the base camp, and I was like, there we go. So, sit back and enjoy the movie. I will, I will pop in during the movie. There's a lot of key, key points um, as we go in here, but you can, this is a basically a, a dismantling the self-concept movie, which is healing uh, through uh, relationships, through guidance, and through development of, of trust and faith, and a Beatles soundtrack uh, to, uh, to carry us and lift us all the way through that whole, whole thing. So, enjoy the movie, and uh, I'll see you soon. Okay, so this is a perfect uh, point to set the context. It's, it's using uh, the Beatles song, Nowhere Land. You know, living in a, he's a real nowhere man, living in a nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. That's describing the human condition. So right now with, you know, everyone's going, oh, the pandemic and all the, the economic circuit collapsing, and it's, there's tensions between countries and everything. That's a description of nowhere land. You know, and the plans that you make in nowhere land are really nowhere plans. And they're really for nobody. Uh, because they're, they're self-initiated plans that are based on survival, that are based on the body, that are based on the past, and they're based on the future. And so, just at the beginning here, we have the little daughter narrating that, um, that her dad is really the king. I don't know if you've heard that in Christian songs, Christ is king, you know, that's a, that's a thing. Christ is the king, but Christ doesn't live in nowhere land. <laughs> not, not even close to nowhere land. Christ is the king and the king lives where? In, in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The king lives in the kingdom of heaven. And she said, uh, my daddy's really a king, but he, he got lost in nowhere land. 
Aha, now we're seeing the sleeping Christ is lost in Nowhere Land, and this was this is a reference of Nowhere Land from the, the Beatles song. And I've uh, got to get you into my life. This is that song at the beginning is this Holy Spirit calling the mind back to life, to eternal life. And so what it will seem as if is he's focused on competition, on success, on the company and all these things in Nowhere Land. And it will seem like a series of interruptions. If you ever notice that when you start doing the Course in Miracles, that things start to shake it up, you know, like I that last time I was saying, shake it up baby, uh, on one of the, what was I doing, the Spanish, I was doing a Spanish uh, event, healing relationships, and I said, I'm, I'm getting a song coming in, it's the Beatles, Oh, shake it up, baby, now, shake it up, baby, twist and shout. That's how I started the, the session, with the Beatles, shake it up, shake it up, baby. So, Nowhere Land, when you believe that's your life, when you believe that you exist in time and space, and you're dealing with all this, you're, you've forgotten you're the Christ, you've forgotten the light, you've forgotten the Holy Spirit, you've forgotten Jesus, the essence of Jesus, and now, you're trying to survive in a competitive world of nowhere land. And you notice she said, um, but the ones of us that he forgot, we are here to rescue him. <laughs> These are your mighty companions. You start doing the course and the mighty companions show up, they're the rescue team. They're the rescue team, because why? Because they're the witnesses of your, of your heart, of the love in your heart. When you start to meet a dear friend, or somebody that seems to be on the same wavelength with you, and more importantly, they're reflections of the light. They're, they're symbols and witnesses of remembrance of who you really are. So right away she's saying, um, for those that he forgot and left behind, we are here to rescue him. To rescue the king. The king who's left the kingdom. The king who's forgotten uh, what it's like to be a king, and now is concerned about competition, striving, struggle, time. It's a time pressure, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta go. I have to handle an emergency. But these, you're gonna see there's gonna be a lot of these uh, miraculous, um, I call them miraculous like interventions, where they, they start to call you out of your daily routine in Nowhere Land. Because as long as you are convinced you're in Nowhere Land, you will just continue to play the game of Nowhere Land. And you won't ever question that there's something more. You'll just feel like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get out there in Nowhere Land, and I've gotta play the game, and then I play it for a lot of years, and then hopefully I'll be able to retire, and, and settle down and enjoy my retirement years, and then I die. You know, it's not a very pretty picture in Nowhere Land. <laughs> Work hard, a little bit of rest, hopefully healthy, <laughs> healthy enough to, to smell the roses at, at retirement, and then I die. And, and that's not a very uh, happy, happy story at all. It's actually quite dark, and so, uh, so we're ready to go further now. He's getting his first intervention um, out of uh, Nowhere Land. 
Now this is how the Holy Spirit works. You may recognize some of these scenes from your own life. <laughs> Sometimes things seem to be taken away from you, things seem to be redirected. The guidance is coming through actually very clear from the imaginary uh, friends. They are, there's a lot of guidance coming through, but he's not at all tuned into it yet. You know, <clears throat> he's projecting that his, his daughter doesn't listen and she told him, she stared at him and she told him very calmly, I do listen. And now she's offering the guidance freely from the Spirit uh, to help him out. And, uh, and when he got into the meeting, he, she was trying to wave to him uh, from behind the glass to again reinforce the guidance of, the, of these imaginary friends to help her dad out. And he was, he was just angry that, again, he perceives the guidance as an interruption. And this is how it goes when you're in nowhere land. You, you perceive the guidance that is actually very clear, very straightforward, and the ego doesn't like it at all. Things seem disrupted, things seem to be out of pattern, and the guidance is right there. It's coming through songs, it's coming through people, it's all around you. But when your mindset is in nowhere land, meaning it's in competition, bigger, better, faster, more, success, you know, he's, you can see him with three computer screens uh, at his home office and then a whole group of, of employees, a whole team, and all these, it's all about the companies, it's all about the profits, it's all about gain in terms of the world. So I just felt like this is a good, a good point because um, this is very much like the, the chapter uh, 15 in A Course in Miracles where Jesus is talking about the, it's, it's a section called the, uh, the Healed Relationship, where in this it says two people invite the Holy Spirit into the relationship and the Holy Spirit comes immediately and the relationship is perceived as um, disjunctive, it's, it, it seems like it's really a shake-up because he says that the new purpose, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is so different from the old purpose. So the purpose of Nowhere Land is to get, and the purpose of holiness is to give. And when you invite the Holy Spirit in, that's why it's disjunctive, because the new purpose doesn't go with the old purpose. The new purpose is completely different. To give is completely different from to get. And Nowhere Land is all about getting, um, getting profits, getting assets, getting possessions, getting promotions, getting attention, you know, getting ahead. It, you, you can fill in the words after that getting word. It's all about getting in Nowhere Land. And, and the guidance is, is, seems to be very disruptive. So at this point, um, She's saying, I'm listening, I told you. Uh, she's even doing everything she can to try to convey what she's hearing from Cupida and Mapada, uh, basically in Kuala. Kuala they're just trying, she's trying to 
help her dad out in what he believes. And this is also a good example of how practical the guidance is. You know, in his world, he's in a business world. He's in a business suit. He's in a company and still the guidance is coming through using those symbols. That's another example of how extremely practical it is, but you still have to listen to it. Even when it comes right into your home, even when you start to get it through songs on the radio or you get it through billboards, bumper stickers, poems you may read, your neighbor saying something to you about something that seems very coincidental, very synchronistic, but but you maybe dismiss it, but it's actually, the guidance is extremely practical and extremely relevant to what you believe you are and where you believe you are. So basically, you know, the Eddie Murphy character believes he's a businessman, he's in a company, and he's got clients, and the guidance is actually reaching him in the most practical way with what he believes he is. He's forgotten he's the king, the king who living in the kingdom of heaven, the Christ, but, but still, even in nowhere land, the guidance comes through. So let's go and see what happens to him, see if he's going to listen or rebel and uh, try to hold it off. So, this is the Holy Spirit's humor, because He's resistant to his best friend, who is the whisper, the man whisper. The man whisper is what? It's a version of the horse whisper, Robert Redford. Which is what? The spirit. So his best friend is saying, I'm the man whisper. You've got to connect with your daughter. You've got to, you've got to listen to her. And he gets furious. He's, he hits the punching bag even further and then he threatens to destroy, to ruin the guy's portfolio. He, he is so afraid of guidance, he is so afraid of, he's so resisting the spirit that he totally makes a joke out of his friend, who's the man whisperer, who also connects with the inner child. He's trying to connect with, help everybody connect with their inner child. He goes and he plays with the little girls at his house. He's totally willing to be connected in any way that comes, and, and uh, he's told, oh yeah, you're the man whisperer, just whisper, whisper, he, it's very sarcastic. Now, he's got his notes, and he's trying to emphasize with this uh, client all the history, the shared history, all the things that they've shared together, all the connections that they have, and here comes our Indian friend using the sky and all the Native American symbols and the Walla Walla and everything. And all this is, is the Holy Spirit sending uh, our main character the sign. You have to loosen up and you have to start to pay attention to the spiritual symbols. And that's what his so-called competitor, Johnny Whitefeather, is using all of the symbols of the Spirit. And so he sarcastically <laughs> grabs the notes that his little daughter, and oh look at this company's all sparkly, buy, buy, buy the sparkly, and let go of the, the one with the dine in it, you know, 
neodyne, you've got to let it go, sell all of your stock in your major holding. Because why? Because they have their pants pulled down and they have poo-poo, caca coming out, you know, the kupada, the, the mapada, the, the imaginary characters, the imaginary companions, the, they are providing him all the guidance that he needs. And, and they're doing it in the most direct way, covering over his notes, all of his uh, analytical notes with little drawings, two that are kissing. He's got it right. He said sarcastically, what does that mean? They should get married. That's like a merger of two companies. They should get married. You know, it's all there and yet he's using it all sarcastically as if to make fun at the whole meeting that they've just had and he was not invited to. So, if you look at it in terms of our life, things come into your life in, in a, sometimes a very, very direct way. People leave your life. New people come into your life. New jobs can come toward you. New assignments can come toward you. Remember, in Nowhere Land, everything is the status quo. It's like the everything in Nowhere Land is ego status quo. It's like the mind that believes in Nowhere Land has adapted and adjusted to a lie. And it means that everything that you perceive, just when you think everything's going all hunky-dory and everything, life is good, life is good, got the promotion, got the new car, got the new house, I got, the, oh, and now I'm a, 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 I just, I'm a parent now, I have a child, and oh, I'm a grandparent, oh, ching, 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 ching. All the things are coming true that you wanted to happen in Nowhere Land. And somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit has to weigh, has to bring in what seem to be interruptions into Nowhere Land to just get your attention to call you back out of Nowhere Land. And what normally this is perceived as, is it seems like things are falling apart. If you notice in the development of trust section, right at the beginning of the stages of the development of trust, Jesus says, he comes right out and says it, it will seem as if things are being taken away from you. That's from Jesus Christ at the beginning of the stages of the development of trust. It will seem as if things are being taken away from you. Now, how does things taken away with you, taken away from you, fit with the idea of manifesting? You know, the idea of manifesting, when, when spiritual teachers tell you to manifest, they want you to manifest what? Manifest more. Manifest more of what you want. And what we're finding out from Jesus and the Holy Spirit is, when you're in Nowhere Land, you don't even know what you want. And what you think you want in Nowhere Land will hurt you. Slip sliding away. The nearer your destination, the more you're slip sliding away. The more you get wound into Nowhere Land, the more you have completely lost track of, of what the goal is, which is to escape from Nowhere Land. How do you escape from it? You let it be retranslated into the happy dream. Nothing's really taken away. 
Nothing's taken away. It's just a retranslation by changing the purpose for what you perceive. So, yeah, every time I watch this movie, I haven't seen this movie for the longest time, but it's rich. It's rich in symbology because here's this little girl with these imaginary friends and he is so firmly entrenched in Nowhereland and he, the more we see him, uh, now he blew up. He just absolutely lost it in the conference room, which is an indication when there's that much anger that comes out in the conference room that there's definitely some, some dissatisfaction, some, so there's definitely some hurt underneath uh, that explosion. And that's, that's what the whole thing is designed to do, is to take, take the mind deeper inside, so it, it all can be retranslated. So, okay, here we go. Let's hope we hear more from Cupida and Mapada and Kuali. Okay, now this is a great metaphor again. This movie is so full of metaphors. Clearly his daughter is in a world of, of her own that is, that is very different from the world that he lives in. And she, if you look at her now, she's not bored, she's, she's, not, um, she's not tired, she is all excited and she's so happy. Why? Because she gets to share her world with her dad. She gets to communicate her world with these princesses and this queen that tell her things with her dad. And this is like a little child shall lead them. She is so into this world and she's so happy and she's always communicating. She goes under her, her little guga, and that's like a symbol. It's no different than when people close their eyes to meditate. She goes under the blanket and she goes into this like world where she connects. And already the teacher at school, when he tried to uh, just try to dismiss it as a, a hopeless case of attachment, to his daughter has with this guga, this blanket, um, and he said, well, I'll just, you know, it's time to take it away from her, you know, like, I'll just go, I have to be strong and just take it away. That didn't work. Actually, the teacher said, it's this, when children kind of go into the, the world of their own and everything, it's often because they're, they're wanting some, they're wanting a communication with their parents, and that's often why children go into this world of imaginary friends, because they're not, they, the communication that they want with their dad, in this case, her father, is, is not provided. He's an absentee father. He's working all the time. He doesn't keep his word. Uh, he's, he doesn't show an interest in her life. He doesn't show an interest in her school. He doesn't show an interest in her friends. He doesn't show an interest in her period, and so she instead goes inward and connects in the, with her imaginary friends, looking for communication, because she can communicate to them and they will communicate back to her. And in one sense, you might say that a lot of the mystics and saints throughout history, 
they tried to communicate in their societies and their cultures, but people didn't really take them serious. They thought, oh, are you still talking about God? Are you still talking about spirit? Is that all you can talk about? They basically went off into caves, they went off into the forest, they, they went into meditation. They would look for a, a context for meaningful communication because they weren't experiencing it in nowhere land. In fact, you start to realize as you go deeper with the Course that, that even communications in nowhere land, in Distractionville, are just crude communications, but the more that you put your heart into actually sincerely praying and sincerely connecting with Spirit, then you start to find that the Spirit will give you opportunities to speak. Jesus will actually give you opportunities to speak, to teach what you would learn. Only for one reason, to strengthen it in your mind. He's not right, trying to reach lost souls in the world. Like the old Christian thing, you know, trying to reach the lost souls, try to save the unsaved. No, it's just the world is just a mechanism for teaching what you would learn, for listening where you're to bestow miracles, whether it's through speaking or smiling or laughing or hugging or, or just being calm, still presence uh, in a particular situation. Whatever the guidance is, that's just to strengthen it in mind. So it's kind of interesting here where the thing that really got his attention was how practical the guidance was. He, he wasn't giving the time of day to her fantasies, he thought, and to her imaginary uh, friends. He doesn't believe in guidance. He makes jokes about his man-whisperer friend. He doesn't believe in guidance, he doesn't believe in intuition, he doesn't believe, and he makes a lot of jokes about Johnny Whitefeather too. He really is uh, making a lot of jokes. So the very thing that he was just making all the jokes about, because he was so close-minded, now has suddenly got his attention. Through his prophet-minded <laughs> mind. You see how the Holy Spirit knows what you believe in and uses what you believe in. He believes in competition, success and profits. And what does the Holy Spirit use to reach him but companies and profits and, and looking for what would be successful. So that's a perfect example this movie is showing how the Holy Spirit will use whatever you believe in. And in that sense, you know, sometimes people have said to me, like things like, well, what if you have low self-worth and you have extremely low self-esteem? How is the Holy Spirit going to reach a mind that is so into guilt that it has low self-worth and low esteem? It, it actually will still use the guidance in terms of the symbols that the mind believes that will seem to increase the self-esteem, it will seem to increase the self-worth, even in terms of the world, just so that you can then build a sense of confidence. And then as soon as you build that sense of confidence, guess what? The Holy Spirit will channelize that towards the light. It's, not all, it's never about manifesting things in the world, you know. It's never about using the power of the mind to manifest 
a better world. Yes, that works as a symbol because it shows the power of the mind, but that's not the lesson. The lesson is to use then the power of the mind to go back to the light and see that you are the Christ. That's the lesson. The lesson isn't more things, more stuff, more skills, more powers in the world. The manifesting lesson is just a, a transitory lesson. But this movie's good showing for the transition because obviously he is He's separated from his partner. He has no interest. He said, even said, I'm such a bad father. He, he has very, very little interest in his daughter and, and his, uh, his partner that he separated with says, no, you have to, you have to take her. I don't care. Uh, you can't push this off. You said you would take her and now you have to take her. And that's just like a symbol of, again, you need to face some things. You need to face what's going on in your mind. You need to face your distractions. You need to face where am I running away from things that, that I have committed to. You know, it's like, a, it's like a reckoning. He's going through a reckoning here in the first phase of this uh, movie where he's, he's drifted off into nowhere land in competition and, and now the Spirit's like calling him on it and saying, you need to come back towards communication and you need to, to do this with your daughter. That's his, uh, his assignment is really with the daughter. And it truly is a communication uh, assignment. And I think we can honestly start to say when we really look at, at relationships in terms of this world, we can pretty much see that they really are communication assignments. Wherever we were kind of avoiding or denying or afraid to communicate wherever we were playing games, uh, the Spirit's like, oh, I'll, I'll call you on that. And uh, maybe you forgot your importance of your communication function to come back to the light, but oh, I'll call you back. You know, I'll introduce whatever I need to introduce into the symbols of Nowhereland to bring you back to open-hearted, heart-to-heart -heart communication. And that, that can seem the most difficult thing when you've been trying to avoid open-hearted, heart-to-heart communication. Maybe you got into fame, or pride, or money, or, or projects, or save the whales, save the planet, you know, save something, uh, something in the world. The Spirit's like, oh no, come back. Come back in here. Come back into your mind. Come back into your, your heart. So now it's starting to heat up. Let's, let's see what happens here. He's actually open to try to connect with, uh, with his daughter and her uh, imaginary friends. So here we go. Now this is where the Holy Spirit is saying to you, how willing are you? How willing are you? Are you willing enough to appear to be a fool in nowhere land to go back to the kingdom of heaven? Are you willing <laughs> to appear foolish in the ego's judgment to follow the guidance, not to run with the herd, not to run with the pack, not to give in to peer pressure, not to give in to opinions, trends, 
not to give in to what's fashionable to the world, not to give in to what's popular to the world, but how willing are you? How far are you willing to go to follow the guidance? Because, why? Because I said before that the world is backwards and upside down. So if Nowhere Land or Distractionville is backwards and upside down, and you're going to unwind from Nowhere's, Nowhere Land and is Distractionville, then this is where some people call it counterintuitive. It's not really, the guidance is not counterintuitive. The guidance is intuitive, <laughs> just a hundred percent intuitive. But it contradicts everything that you've ever learned about time and space. That's why the foolishness comes in. The ego is saying, you know, don't get too, don't go too far with this guidance stuff. Don't get, don't get too hooked in um, because you know, it's, the ego is, is not so frightened of the means, but the ego is frightened of the end, because the end is the end of the ego. <laughs> you see why the ego can tolerate the means. It can tolerate some miracles, it's not happy. It can tolerate some miracles, but it, if you start getting more consistently miracle-minded, the ego will go from suspicious to vicious. The ego, the more you experience the light, the more stirred up the ego is. The more you experience love, the more stirred up the ego is. We call it maybe ego backlash or ego whiplash. Uh, you go into a very big, vast experience and then there is a contraction or there is a closing down. The ego is frightened of the direction and, and it's frightened of the direction because it's frightened of loss. It's, it's frightened of, of being gone. It's frightened of not existing. And, and that's truly what happens when you move toward the light. The, the, you might say the light, the light just starts to light the mind up. What once was a darkened mind gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and then the ego gets frightened because it's afraid it's going to be shown away. It'll just, the mind will just light up. Sometimes I described the spiritual journey as like um, going to a well and looking down a dark well, like we'll say a, a well like on a farm. And you know, you look down the well and it's very dark down there. And so you can't see anything. So you bring your flashlight the next time and you shine your flashlight down in the well. And as you shine your flashlight down in the well, there's a little spider down at the bottom of the well. That's the ego. And whenever you shine the light on the ego, it moves into the darkness. It moves away from the flashlight. You, know, you have a little beam down there and you see the little spider and you shine it on it and it moves quickly out of the light and back into the darkness. And then, eventually, you keep doing the miracles until you have a lot of light, so it's almost like you have a big giant spotlight. And you put the spotlight over the well, and you go click, you click the switch, and it lights up the whole well. And there is the spider, and the spider's like... Because... Why? Because it has no darkness to hide in anymore. It's like, 
uh-oh, game's up. Spider just looks up like, the spider freezes, like, uh-oh. It's like the big light, big daddy light, papa. <laughs> it's like papa light, god light. And it's like, game's over. And, and so that's what's going on here in this scene. Now this scene coming up, you know, he thought it would be just so simple to talk to the two of the princesses, but um, now she says, no, no, they disagree, so we have to go to Quali, and Quali's up in her castle and everything. Takes him out publicly, now he's not running around with his blanket, you know, in his apartment. <laughs> Takes him out on a pub public square, and this is more like Holy Spirit saying, how willing are you to follow my guidance in the face of what seems to be a threat to to your self-concept. I mean, he's he's going out now in the public square, and she's she just said, you know, Quali wants you to dance for her, so he wants to get the the information from Quali, but now he's out on the public square, and she's saying Quali wants you to dance. To me, I love these scenes because now this is truly the undoing of the self-concept. He has not yet got, he's not gotten into his giving function. He will in this movie. He's going to have to give it away. He's going to have to actually give it away himself instead of looking for the guidance to try to help his self-concept. They're, they're washing and rinsing his self-concept. His whole business concept is is getting washed pretty strong, but actually he's then he's going to have to start being truly helpful, and that's the way it goes for all of us. As soon as you wrench the self-concept, then the light gets stronger and stronger, and then you're called on more and more assignments where you have to truly give it away. You have to really shine it and give it away, regardless of the seeming circumstances that the ego would tell you, oh, this is not, this is not going to look good. You just have to be willing. So let's Let's just see how willing he is right here. Here comes Iso. He doesn't like to miss this part. Of the, this is one of the favorite parts. Okay, he's desperate now because this is when people start asking, is it the ego or is it the Holy Spirit? You see, he's had a nice run there with trust and willingness and then the guy, uh, Whitefeather, mentions Dante and remembered, he told his little girl, Dante is so successful. Every, he's the best investor. We always look up, when she was sitting there in front of the screens, this was like the big investor who is so successful. And so it's like you, you know, you're on the roll, you're following your guidance and everything like this, and you're sitting down there. He even makes a joke about what, well, let's hear what Whitefeather's venison is, you know. And then Whitefeather flips around to his old analytical business position, and Whitefeather takes his position that he had at the beginning. Dante says it's a good investment, he's just invested 25% more. Um, he makes a very rational, analytical uh, approach, and then he says, that's my venison. Almost like he's just turning the table. 
So basically the, there will come a point in your journey when you're following your guidance where the ego, which is quite ingenious, is going to try to draw you back to the old analytical, past learning, uh, go with uh, what the world says. You know, when you start to make your move to dismantle from nowhere or from Distractionville, as you start to really dismantle, the ego will kind of up the ante by trying to say, uh, be reasonable here, be rational here, I, you know, don't be too trusting. You know, fall back on some of that good old past learning. Like he's like saying in this case, remember Dante? Dante's the, the, the one with all the wise, uh, he's the great uh, business guru, and now when he's, he's got the guidance from the, the imaginary princesses and imaginary queen, and now he goes, he said, that sounds interesting, I'm going to have to run and, uh, and maybe re-crunch my numbers, in other words, I might have to reevaluate." And this is just another symbol of how doubt can creep in. When you start to have a lot of seeming guidances, where you start to really feel like you're making strides, the ego is going to go, not so fast. I've had you in Distractionville for millennium. I've had you in Nowhere Land under my thumb for centuries and centuries, and now you're just going to follow your guidance and escape from my prison? I set up a good prison, the ego says. I set up an, uh, I set up an airtight prison. I set up a watertight prison. I set up a a fail-safe prison. It's, a, it's actually, for the ego, the ego is quite proud of its prison of time and space. Like, it's so convincing that most don't even know that it's a prison. You know, they actually feel like it's a reality now. It's not just a bunch of projected images, it's, it's turned into, for the sleeping mind, reality. And then, even though even though the ego's prison is airtight, it's not Holy Spirit proof. Even though it's an ingenious prison, it's not Jesus proof. In fact, this prison is not Jesus proof. Jesus is more, oh, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the prison. I have overcome the ego. I have overcome nowhere land, and I am back in, in spirit, in light, and I'm, coming, I'm broadcasting to you <laughs> from the light, <laughs> through the darkness, from the light, reaching you in the symbols that you believe in. So, this is kind of a key point, because he's been on a roll there, and he's starting to actually develop some confidence in it. But remember what his little daughter said when, when um, at the beginning, when he had she had him go with the little guga, the blanket, and spin around. She said to him, um, "You can, you can talk to them too." She remember she's saying to her daddy, "You can do it yourself." So she's already delivered the good stuff. Like, oh yeah, 
these are my imaginary friends. Can you contact them? Yes. You can do it yourself, but she agrees because she knows of his disbelief that she's like, I'll do it with you. You see? And that's how the Holy Spirit works with us. We have mighty companions to do it with. I'll do it with you. So she takes him through the forest and she takes him to meet her imaginary friends. But she said from the beginning, basically you can do this yourself. And so ultimately that's why the Holy Spirit and Jesus are teaching us so that we can, we maybe use the symbol of A Course in Miracles for a while, and we maybe use the symbol of praying with our mighty companions for a while, but in the end, you know, Jesus is saying the same thing. You can do this yourself in the sense your mind can connect with the Spirit. Your mind can become so intuitive that you can hear the voice for God. The Holy Spirit speaks through to the mind all through the day without interrupting your act, regular activities in any way. That's in the workbook. The voice for God speaks to, to you all through the day without interrupting your regular activities in any way. Wow, that's, that's as explicit as you can get if you really look at what Jesus is saying. Speaks to you all through the day without interrupting your regular activities in any way. He's not saying, oh, you got to go off to the top of Mount Everest to hear the Holy Spirit. You got to go out to the Sinai Peninsula or the, you know, he's not giving you some specific place you have to go. He said, no, the Holy Spirit, the voice for God speaks to you all through the day without interrupting your activities in any way. So basically she's already said, you can do this yourself. And now he's really got into the, the Guga, he's got into working with her, and in one sense, that's beautiful because he has been so willing to join with his little with his daughter and so willing to collaborate that you could tell when he was up there dancing and and she said spin it's spin daddy you know it's like spin he said oh it's a waltz and he went spinning around and did you see her face she's like looking like whoa the king is back I came to rescue the king and I see him now. She got a big smile on her face. That's very different from the beginning of this movie, you know, where she was feeling very disconnected. She lit up and she's beaming and she's glowing when her daddy is up there spinning and dancing for Quali. Because she's like, now she feels like she's being heard. Now she feels like She's connecting, she's communicating, and he's listening. He's not only listening to her, but he's willing to do what is required. You see, that's another key point of this movie. Because what if you could actually hear the voice for God, and you hesitated to follow the instructions? <laughs> what if you could actually hear it, and you, and you were like, hmm... I don't know. I mean, that's what he's going through in this scene right now. He's, he's got a hesitation. <laughs> and he's like, he's running to try to make sure. But, but when he was up there swirling and dancing, and she was beaming, you know, that is just a beautiful symbol of the willingness not only to listen, but also to follow. And you see how happy he was? 
and you see how happy she is. That's like showing us, that's the key. If we're willing to listen and follow, then our cares and, and worries and concerns are over. We get in the dance. That's all that this world is, it's a dance. And it's all Jesus is saying is like, join the dance. <laughs> Come on, join me in the dance is really what Jesus is saying. It's a very happy dance and he looked really happy on that uh, stage spinning around uh, at, at his daughter's beckoning and, and he followed her. He connected. He was no longer a absentee father. Suddenly, regardless of whatever he'd done, he joined and he connected. Their hearts were connected. Their, their purpose was unified and she wore it all over her face. She was like, oh daddy, you know, thank you, I love you. I could see the I love you look in her eyes as she was watching him dance on there. So let's see what's, what's going to happen now. He's, he's got a little moment of doubt even though he's been following the guidance and now um, his friend uh, Whitefeather has thrown, thrown a little curveball to him with throwing some uh, rationality <laughs> Uh, of of how the world works in this this Dante guy and and that was his uh, his guru before uh, before he started listening to the imaginary friends he was he was trying to emulate the guru and now the guru has contradicted his his imaginary friend guidance and we do reach those points where we have to really be sure are we going to really go for it are we going to really take it because the it seems like there's something else coming, slipping in there. Okay. Okay, now he's starting to brim with confidence. You see how confident she was? Quali is never wrong. <laughs> she gave it to him really straight. Quali is never wrong. And then, when he's like, oh my gosh, She's not wrong. She is not wrong. How are you doing this? And then he starts to relax and get his confidence now. And what's, what Beatles song comes on? Here comes the Son. Oh yeah, here comes the Christ. Here comes the Son of God. Uh, because when you start to get confident in your guidance, then here comes the Son. That's that little Christ child inside that's been ignored for centuries actually, and now the Christ light is starting to emerge in the mind. And the thing is, he goes back and remember his old uh, past learnings said he doesn't like to, uh, to make food and everything, so he had the maid make, or, or the housekeeper, the, the cook, she went in there and she made the frozen pancakes and they look like, I don't know, black frozen. <laughs> you see he goes, let's, he tossed them. He tossed his past strategies out. He tossed his past uh, avoidance out so he could, could, could collaborate with his daughter. You see the joyful collaboration. And it's so joyful, this collaboration he's having, making these pancakes now. He's in the joy of the moment that actually when you get into the joy, you actually start to not care about the form of things. 
I mean, if you knew that you could have bursting joy, do you think you would really be concerned about the form that the joy takes? If the joy, here comes the sun, if the joy comes and the light comes into your mind, do you really think you're going to be concerned about the form? Because it was just the ego that was analyzing the form, that was so worried, so concerned. You know, maybe before the joy, you would have your eye out. Am I getting chipped? Am I getting messed over? Am I getting taken advantage of? Always watching like a hawk to not be taken advantage of. Suspicious, looking around every corner, concerned that somebody's going to attack you, take advantage of you, treat you unfairly. That's the ego. That's why this, it made the world as just a projection of its own fear and doubt, so that you would look out. Even with the, the so-called coronavirus, you know, it's such a focus on the form on the bodies, on the distancing of the bodies, on the protection of the body. There's a tremendous fear of the unknown that's underneath this obsession with protecting bodies. And, and you can see it. It's, it's, it's on the news media now. It's been on the news media now for, for a couple, two or three months. And then look at the scene here where he's in there making pancakes in his kitchen with his daughter. Before, he was never having his daughter over there. Before, he, he had no time to make pancakes with her. You know, he's like, yeah, he was so, his mind was so on companies and profits and everything that the guidance has, has helped him relax about all this company stuff and helped him relax and now start to open his heart. And I just love this upcoming scene um, in, the, in the kitchen here. I think I'll probably get the, the Spanish subtitles for it and show it this weekend on the, the retreat. But this coming scene is, is a clip that we have used for years, actually. And this is a scene on the joy of the content of the mind and the total disregard of the form. So enjoy it. You're, you're going to see what the miracle is. The miracle focuses on the joy and it's not concerned in the least bit about the form. So this is it. You see how the spirit leads them into the joy. The joy, the joy gets stronger and stronger and then the Holy Spirit gives an opportunity to teach what you would learn. First builds the confidence in the joy through the guidance, through following the guidance builds the confidence, builds the confidence, and then gives you an opportunity to teach what you would learn, or to really demonstrate. Just like if you were teaching a child and you showed them how to do it, and you, you showed them and you showed them, and you instilled the confidence that you can do it. You know, because she starts out with, I can't sing. But he's filled with joy. He's, he's had all these miracles with his companies, with everything, his guidance and, and his clients. So he gets more and more joy. He gets more revved up into it. He gets more confident 
in the miracle. And then, then we move into the give it away. Because to teach is to learn, and when you give it away, you strengthen it. Teaching is not really, it doesn't really have to do with the form. The form gets used, but it's really in the mind. It's just like you are strengthening in your mind the ideas of truth that are to be given away just so you can learn them, just so that they can be strengthened in, in your mind. That's why you may have noticed if you try to be truly helpful and you're, you're, you're doing a, you're talking on a, a, web, a webinar or you're talking on the phone or you're have, talking on Skype or you're, you're chatting with somebody or whatever and then you may have this flash in one moment, like what you're saying is what you most need to hear. If you have a, a heart that's open to be used by the Spirit, that what you say is what you most need to hear. Meaning, you need to have it strengthened and reinforced. That's how doubt thoughts are washed away. By letting true ideas come through your mind and having a willingness to extend that. That's what it means to be a light worker. That what, that's what it means to be a conduit. That's what Saint Francis was talking about in the Franciscan prayer. Lord, make me an instrument for your peace. That's what the prayer was about. I need to let it come through me to strengthen it so that I know that it's true. It's always for one's own mind. It's never really for another. That's just the mechanism it's the backdrop for teaching what you would learn. So in the end you wash away all this idea that the teacher and the student are different. That the, that the, the giver and the receiver are different. You know, it, in the end you start to see what I, all that I give is given to myself. Everything I allow to come through me, in the sense of true ideas, is all for me. It's not really for anybody else. So this is a great movie because we've covered all the things from guidance, willingness to follow guidance, listen, follow, joy, 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 and then give it away. And um, what's happening is he's, he is allowing the spirit to repair the broken relationship that he had with his daughter, and in the end that will repair the broken relationship that he has with his, his ex-partner, and that will repair his work relationships, all of his concerns around finances, all of his concerns, anything that is broken is repaired through communication, through, I'll call it, right communication. Some teachers say, like in the East, they'll say, right Right action comes from right, right thought or right intention. And that's really what it is. Jesus isn't so much focused on the action because that's involuntary. What you do comes from what you think. But, but he is focused on right thinking, which he calls right-mindedness. And that's what this is about. All guidance is right-mindedness. And when you focus on that, then everything comes through you involuntary. You don't even have to ask the how question, like how am I going to do this? If you're 
lined up and you're willing and you're ready, then Jesus will do it through you. You won't even have to think what to do. It will come through you automatically, involuntarily, just by your alignment. And, and the, you won't have this little doer self that's like, okay, what do I do next? Jesus, you know, it's like Jesus like takes over the body, he takes over the puppet. He, look at these talks I'm giving to you. You think I planned these out? I don't even know what movie we're going to show <laughs> until seven minutes before we start. And yet, boom, there's a whole gushing Colorado River of, of words that come with it. But it's, it's coming from the Christ, it's not coming from a, a person. It's, it's coming from the source. It's, it's a, being a conduit, so let that pour through. So, here we go. It's, he's still, he's still now just actually at the beginning of, of teaching what he would learn. You know, he's, he's now come into that much willingness, and he's going to need it because there are more temptations uh, around, but those aren't really temptations, those are just opportunities. That's why Jesus is like, I'll give you more opportunities, and more opportunities, and more opportunities. So these are not really like temptations or challenges, they're just opportunities to strengthen it, to teach what you would learn. Okay, here we go. Okay, so remember the last words that that his daughter said to him before she fell asleep was, why don't you ask Quali for yourself? That was the last word she spoke. You need to, why don't you ask Quali for yourself? She trusts you. You see how now it's, even the guidance is not actually to help us out in form. Even though the ego would believe this could be cool as long as I keep getting what I want. But the goal of the purpose of the guidance is not to get what you think you want in an egoic sense. Outcomes, money, you know, success, all the things like this. This is where it comes down to what is the purpose of the guidance. And the guidance is always to take your dependence away from the things of the world and bring you inside to intuitive listening. And why do you have intuitive listening except to find peace of mind? That's what the goal is. The goal isn't achieving things and, and having better outcomes in the world. But when you, even if you follow spiritual teachers that are teaching manifesting, you know, that that question will sometime arise. If you start to get good at manifesting, then the question sometimes arises, what is the manifesting for? Like, why is it valuable that I'm manifesting more things in the world, or more uh, assets, or more something in terms of the world? Because Jesus has already told us in the Course, in the Beyond All Idols section, he, he asked the question, what is an idol for, Jesus says, do you think you know? When Jesus asks you a question, you know there's a point. <laughs> you know, how many times does he ask a question in the Course? 
he doesn't really, unless it's a rhetorical question and like this, where he says, what is an idol? Do you think you know? And then he, of course he answers the question because he's just throwing it out so you'll think about it. What is an idol? Do you think you know? An idol is for more of something. It does not matter more of what. Wow! That is a definition of an idol. An idol is for more of something. It does not matter more of what. So now it's getting popular in sp spiritual teachers to do manifesting workshops. Perfect during the pandemic. Do more manifesting workshops. <laughs> you know, get more abundance. You know, in a time of great financial strain and lack, use your power of your mind to manifest more, more things, more stuff and everything. But now in this movie, Jesus is again giving us the key and he's saying that if if you continue to go at the branching of the road, if you continue to go forward based on the path that you took before, you will go nowhere. Because when you reach the branching of the road, you have to go, you have to take the road less traveled that, uh, what was that, Robert Browning, wasn't, everybody remember Robert Browning, the road less traveled? Hmm? Robert Frost. I'm thinking of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, there was another one, Robert. So it's the, it's the road less traveled. And Jesus is telling us, in our mind we reach a point where we have to take the road less traveled. Because you start to realize that all the roads you took before have not got you eternal life. Uh, in fact, he does say, in the real alternative section of the text, he says, men have died upon seeing this, that, that all the roadways of the world lead to death. So, so the point of getting better and better with your intuitive guidance is not for more. More money, more, more stocks, more bonds, more assets, more accumulation. You know, it definitely it got his attention because he seemed to be more successful when he was listening to the, uh, his daughter's imaginary friends. And now, he has to start to realize something even more important than the guidance, which is, what is the guidance for? The guidance is not going to help you adapt and adjust and have a better life in nowhere land. The guidance is going to take you in your mind deeper toward the light. So the guidance will take you to leave behind nowhere land, to allow it to be reinterpreted so that you can leave it behind. It's not about trying to bring God into the world. It's not trying to find abundance or more of something in the world. It's actually a bit reversed where it's all about the peace of mind. That's the purpose of the guidance. The guidance is actually for peace of mind. And Peace of mind is where? It's, it's in the, it's the present moment, or what, what Jesus calls the holy instant. So you might say that all guidance is designed to take you closer and closer towards the holy instant, toward the light. That's the purpose of guidance, is to make you, you know, as Eckhart Tolle would say, more present. It's to help you find the present moment, is what the purpose of the guidance is. 
The guidance is not really designed to help you have a better future. Why? Because the future is a defense against the holy instant and so is the past. The past is gone, the future but is imagined. These concerns, he's talking about the future as a concern, are but, are but defenses against present change of mind or present, the present focus, focusing on the moment, on the holy instant. So this is like a big turning point now in the movie because he talks about this in the stages of development trust. The teacher of God has not come as far as he thought. He, he came this far but he, to try to find out what was helpful, but he did not know what it was for. In fact, all the guidance that you've ever received in your life, we'll say your, your life experiences, was only to bring you to the point to turn inward to the light and to realize it's all for peace of mind. It's not about making a better world. It's not about making a better self-concept. It's about moving inward towards forgiveness, which is the bridge, and then going right into the holy instant. So this is like a key movie because it's showing us all the key points of the spiritual journey and it's outlining all of the things that you go through when you practice A Course in Miracles. So he's, he's at the point now where even though his daughter said, you can talk to Kuali yourself and Kuali trusts you, then as long as he still believes that he needs the Guga, uh, or he needs his daughter and the contact with the Guga, with the blanket, then he's still seeing the guidance in terms of externals. You know, like he still believes what, what Whitefeather just said, tell your secret, and he tell the truth. Well, I, I have this magical blanket my daughter has, and the princesses and the, and the queen tell me what to bet on. And she says, yeah, go ahead then, keep your secret. Like the woman from Denver was like, oh, you're not going to tell me the truth. He was actually giving the symbols that he's been using. But now he has to go beyond that. He has to go, he has to go to the core lesson of what was the guidance for. And all of us have to do that. We all have to get to a point where we realize that what we thought the guidance was for, to make a better earth life, to make things go smoother in my earth life and all these other things, are, we're just the preliminaries, but it's not, it's, it's still like, um, it's still like dress rehearsal. It's, it's like, you know, if you're doing a play, there's dress rehearsal. And for most of us, learning to listen and follow the Holy Spirit is dress rehearsal. And then Jesus finally says, okay, it's time to start the actual play. It's time to put into practice everything that you've seemed to learn. Because when you get out into play, it's not, it's not dress rehearsal. This, it counts. Meaning, going to peace of mind and going for the holy instant, that's what counts. The rest of the stuff was the preliminaries. This is what actually counts. This is what it was all for. So let's see how he, uh, he handles it. He seems to, uh, he still believes that it's for an external goal. And um, 
he has to be shown a way that will show him that that's not the case. As you follow the Spirit, then you inevitably will be led to a choice, a choice point, and it will seem to involve situations, but remember that I said, saying those are just opportunities, because even though there's all these opportunities in the world of form, and there seem to be a great many, um, basically it's just a choice of what is it for. It's a ch choice of what is valuable and what is valueless. It's, it's hidden between a myriad of tens of thousands of seeming choices in the world of form, because the world of complexity and the world of form was made that you would never find this inner choice. So you have to be brought to a point where it's like you go into your inner sanctuary and then you have to find your purpose. And you realize that all these other choices that you've seemed to make in terms of the world really didn't really amount to anything. They were all just there, really as distractions in Distractionville and Nowhereland, to just bring you inside to your inner sanctuary where you could make a choice of purpose. And so this is a choice of purpose and it's also a choice of, of you have to, to accept forgiveness, you have to let go of the other purpose that the ego had for the world. And we know how that other purpose feels, bigger, better, faster, more, win the game, win the conquest, achieve, succeed, you know, most of us know the programming, that's the programming of the world. And so he's going in there, he even, he went through great lengths to get the Guga. Uh, he went to great lengths to stay up at night to try to do his research so he could come in to make his presentation. But up until this point, he even told his, his ex, you know, he said, I could lose my job, I could, I've worked so hard for this. You know, whenever we have those kind of justifications going on in our mind, I've worked so hard for this, don't you know this is the deal that can make me succeed, make me successful, this is the action I can take where I will finally mean something or have some, something in, to show for in the world or something important. It, it's different for all of us in terms of the form, but, but the purpose underneath is the same. You know, do I, do I want to be a self-concept that involves time and space, or do I want to be as God created me? You know, that's really the question. Ultimately, every single situation is, a, is an opportunity for identity. Even if you look at the sages and saints of this world, let's use for example like Ramana Maharshi, he said all spiritual rituals and, and assignments and everything, those are all preliminary. The only thing you really knew, need to do to know yourself is you honestly have to ask yourself this question, who am I? <laughs> that's what Ramana was saying. It comes down to one question that's covered over by a myriad of actions 
reactions, images, hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, millennium. It's the time-space veil that's covering over the who am I. And um, behind the who am I is the I am, which is spirit. So, in this sense, you know, here he is going to this meeting and, and the thing about it is he's, he's now gone from thinking he can go with an analytical past to come up with the best companies to pick, the best investments and so on and so forth, you know, to, to gain the prize of the head of the company, to be the head of the company. And, and yet, he's going up only for this opportunity to, to really go and really discover one thing. What is it for? Is it for winning the deal or is it for the connection? You know, it's basically, this is his Shakespeare moment. To be or not to be, that is the question. To be, to be in the miracle, to be in trust, to be in the purpose of the miracle that takes me toward the light, or to not to be, which would be to hold on to the self-concept and place that self-concept goal of, you know, getting the being the head of the company, which is just an example of any goal that we put in the world. You know, achieving, accomplishing something, some, uh, somehow we think we will arrive if we have some kind of outcome or achievement that will uh, make all things right. So here he is, he and, uh, he and Whitefeather have both come together with their preparation, with the, their own gugas, blankets, children, uh, you know, using whatever means they believe in, because um, now they're both believing in blankets, had <laughs> gone to great lengths, both of them, to get the blankets and, the, and to try to be prepared to win the prize. But in the end, uh, you have to be willing to let go of the ego goal in order to forgive. Because the ego's goal and this Holy Spirit's goal are not the same. Uh, peace of mind is not uh, an accomplishment or achievement in the world. And, and sooner or later everybody has to realize, oh my gosh, that's what all this is for, is just to realize this one point, this one decision point, is a, a question of purpose. Purpose is the only choice. Okay, here we go, into the meeting. Yeah. You could hear that in the lyrics in the last song, you know. Yeah. Little darling, the smiles are returning to the faces. The faces are lighting up with happiness as we accept the sun, as we accept the light in our mind and we accept the purpose. And, and I think the last, that last part of the movie was showing, you know, it's, it's like Jesus says in the Course, it's where the teacher of God anticipated um, some, a loss or something would be taken away. He finds a happy surprise really instead. That basically when he let go of the prize 
and he went for what was important, the connection, then what he needed in terms of serving the plan was given to him. Not from a sense of a presentation or earning it. He basically said, I can't do this. He basically turned to the connection with his daughter and the relationship and the communication. He turned toward valuing what was important and then what that is really doing is, is saying to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, now you handle everything else of time and space that does not matter because you know the way. You know what I still could use as part of serving your plan that will still be used in a way to help me forgive and will take me toward the light in my unwinding from the ego and the self-concept. So, to me, I've, I've had that happen so many times where I basically let go of the pursuit of the goal or the outcome in the world and then whatever I seemed to need was, was given or granted, uh, but not through my personal efforts. Just a happy surprise, <laughs> always a happy surprise. And this is the difference between trying to use the power of your mind personally to manifest something and actually giving up the goals of this world and saying, here God, I give you my goals, I give you my future goals and you give me back what will help serve in the plan. And what comes back is really helpful and it also doesn't have any strings attached. Because you, you realize that what comes to you comes easily of the Holy Spirit without any kind of um, strings and condition. So, uh, you know, everybody remembers the Bible, uh, the, the beautiful passages, look at the lilies of the field, they neither spin nor toil, and let even Solomon is not clothed as them. And so, basically also Jesus said in the Bible, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be added unto you. So 2,000 years later, he kind of is like, Do you remember what I said? Do you remember those things 2,000 years ago? Well, in case you didn't get that, I'm just going to say it one more time. Once you have accepted the plan as the one function you would fulfill, there will be nothing else the Holy Spirit will not arrange for you. Without your effort, He will go before you, making straight your path and leaving in your way no stones to trip on and no obstacles to bar your way. Nothing you need will be denied you. What, not one seeming difficulty, but will melt away before you reach it. You need take thought for nothing except the only purpose you would fulfill. Wow! That's from the Course. That's lilies of the field stuff. That's seek first the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's like as clear as it can be. Like he's just saying, you just trust me with this amazing awakening forgiveness goal that you have in your mind, which is in the present moment. It's not a future goal, 
not, a, not relating to the past. If you just trust me on this journey toward the holy instant, then I will provide everything and not one seeming difficulty what, but will melt away before you reach it. So that last sequence of the movie was basically showing he did all this preparation to get the Guga, he spent the whole night putting together his report and then he didn't even have to present the report. He just said, sorry Tom, as he walked out, he said, I can't do this. He relinquished the pursuit of the ego goal and then went for the connection, got the inspiration while he was standing there at the elevator to go in and grab the supplies and then he had just enough supplies, a red blanket and a, enough clips to make a crown so he could show up. And he had told her, I will play king with you sometime, just not right now. So he finally fulfilled his promise to his daughter about, about playing the king. But he had to let go of the pursuit of the ego goal to, to be the king, to play the king. So this movie is, is highly symbolic. I think you could say, as you really go through and review the movie, you, you'll see that every scene and every frame and every song, even, in the movie played a part. From, you know, got to get you into my life at the beginning, the Holy Spirit singing, all the way through, you know, nowhere man, uh, living in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody, and then finally, as he let go of the need for being the head of the company, he received all you need is love. <laughs> that was the answer to his walking away from the presentation to be the head of the company. He drives out, he gets his, his little king costume on and he shows up, what, right on time to deliver the love for his daughter and what she needed, the support to sing her part, to play her part. She needed him to play his part and, and both played their part perfectly. So that to me is, it, that kind of fulfills our need for a, a miracle movie that has consistency of miracles throughout and the development of trust and faith. And it was a magnificent success. <laughs> so I will now open it up. That, that's a, another, again, another masterpiece, actually. Using a child, a child's blanket, a guga, and a, a, a willing heart, basically, um, to uh, open up to guidance, and then to step up and let go of the ego goal and go for the love instead. So, okay, Eric, we can open it up to uh, insights, expressions, miracles, questions, anything you want with that uh, beautiful parable. Okay, we've got a hand up from Esther. Go ahead, Esther, you can unmute yourself. Thank you so much. This is perfect for me, these, uh, this topic, because um, what's going on in my life is that um, 
my mother, I want her to have Alan have a duty with, when she passes with my, with the money stuff. And, um, she has a grievance against him. And she's aware that the grievance is holding her back, but she said she's not willing to heal it. Um, and so I wanted some guidance on how to, if there's anything I can do. She's not asking for it, and yet she knows that we work on these these consciousness things together. At least I try to help her with everything like that. That's one. And the other thing is... Um, I was cooking some chicken and I put the pot on the, on the sink and the mind was saying, you shouldn't do that. You're going to, the guidance was, you shouldn't do that. You're going to burn yourself. And in an instantaneous moment, I said, I don't care. And I made the choice to put it there and I burned myself. And I'm very particular, this particular body, how it gets burns and that it's going to be a permanent scar. And yet, I was looking for the the golden nugget out of it and it was to see how quickly I can go from receiving the guidance and then not being able and then, and then denying it in my mind so fast that I had almost no choice in the matter. It would happen so fast. And I wanted to know how can I help myself um, overcome that, that tendency not to follow the guidance. Like when it's so, um, when it seems like it's time sensitive. So my mother's um, grievance, if I can help her and Alan's heal that before she passes and, and that. Yeah, thank you, Esther. Well, I would, I would say in terms of the first one, um, instead of a particular action or technique or anything to use with your mother, I would say that that this movie was a very powerful movie to to inspire you, uh, to motivate you to to follow the guidance. That's I mean, we basically saw at the beginning of the movie how how resistant he was to the guidance. He didn't even like the word uh, man whisper. He just was sarcastic. With, at any single turn, he was sarcastic. He was sarcastic with, with, uh, with the white feather, his his uh, coworker. He was sarcastic about his Native American tradition. He was sarcastic about the man whisperer. He did not believe in guidance. He didn't see the point in that. He was very sarcastic, and yet by the end, he had not only opened to the guidance, but he had gone to the place in his mind where the guidance was pointing him, which was to let go of what didn't matter and go for what did matter, which is the highest thing that, that's what all guidance is for. So just by you giving yourself over to this movie, to the mind training that you're doing every day, your devotion to show up at the, at the events, to, to ask the questions, to watch your mind, to go for it. Basically, it's your state of mind in the end will be the the motivator for your mother as well. She will be the reflection of your state of mind. And as you come into the certainty, and you come into the clarity, and you come into your function, then your mother as well as other aspects of the world will just turn and reflect that trust. Because she sees it in you, 
because you are not speaking it like conceptually, but because you are demonstrating it and living it, then that is the thing that will that will allow her the opportunity to choose again, you know, to see to let go of the grievance. And then, uh, what was your second one? <laughs> the guidance. The guidance with the pan, um, receiving the guidance and then the quick dismissal of the guidance, like I don't care, and going ahead with that. Well, the, when we look at that dynamic in the mind about that's what you just described, that's describing resistance. Um, it's like Jesus says in the Course, there are many answers you have received but have not heard. And then he goes on to tell us, the only reason you don't hear guidance is you just receive it, but you don't actually t hear it and take it in. It's because you're afraid of it or you're resistant to it. So, again, that comes back to uh, the key question is the motivation. In other words, a lot of people come to the Course and then they, they start to practice the Course, but they notice they skip a lot of things in the lesson may say do this seven times they do it too <laughs> they it says do it in the morning and the evening they they do it at lunchtime uh, you know it you'll see there's a resistance to this course there's a, there's actually a very strong resistance and he says basically this is a course that's that's taking you toward uh experience of, of God's love and that you have a real fear of God's love and God's will. So again I would say the thing that there's not like a technique or there's not like a, a mantra or something that that could work with this. What it really is is, is you starting to see I, I want to have the motivation for learning this course. Because basically, at one point Jesus says, this course has everything that you need. Oh, that's good to know. I don't have to go seeking, seeking, comparing pathways and turning more stones over and everything. I just need to apply the course. I need to give my willingness to really put it into practical application. And then, um, I think it's a matter of, um, of wanting it. I know I've had a lot of experiences over the years where I would start to experience a discomfort or um, a conflict or even uh, an illness um, seemingly and what happened for me was I had to start to be honest about whether I wanted Jesus to be right about what he was talking about or whether I wanted Jesus to be wrong about what he was talking about. And I always tell the parable about how one time I was doing the workbook lessons and I, I got up to um, lesson 136. And was, that was my lesson of the day, 136. And I remember I came home, I think I came home from college, university, I came in and I put, um, I got some leftovers out of the refrigerator and I put them you know, on a plate and I put it into the microwave and then as the microwave was warming the plate up 
um, I stood there and I started to feel really bad. I started to feel like nauseous. I felt so nauseous and I'm watching the plate circling in the microwave and then ding, when it, it was ready to take out, I felt so nauseous. And so I'm just like looking at the food thinking, there's no way I am going to eat this food. And then just when I think it couldn't get any worse, then I had a huge diarrhea feeling on top of the nauseousness and I raced into the bathroom, pulled my pants down, got on the toilet and I was nauseous and feeling diarrhea at this point. And then it was like, oh yeah, what, what is my lesson for the day? Oh yeah, 136, sickness is a defense against the truth. Nothing like being on the toilet feeling nauseous and, and feeling diarrhea, like you're going to explode and, and getting the lesson of the day. Oh yeah, what was that lesson? Oh yeah, sickness is a defense against the truth. So I sat on the toilet and I let related ideas come from the lesson. Like as soon as Jesus got the lesson of the day through the crack of willingness, literally the crack. He fired in <laughs> the lesson of the day through the crack before something else came out of the other crack. Uh, he fired in in there and then he, I'm like, oh yeah, right, right. Sickness is the defense against the truth. Then I started getting more related ideas. It's actually a very long lesson in the book. So there was a lot of related lessons that started coming, coming, coming to me, coming, coming, coming. And then one of them was, Sickness is a decision. So I'm sitting on the toilet now with nauseous feeling, diarrhea feeling, and sickness is a decision. I'm like very humbled, like, okay, sickness is a decision. And then I went with that. I thought, okay, it's a decision. So I'm deciding this right now. I'm deciding what to feel. I'm feeling all these symptoms, I'm feeling what I'm feeling, I'm feeling the diarrhea and I'm feeling the nauseousness because I'm deciding to feel it. It's, I'm deciding it. And then I started to say, okay, I have to take this deeper. So I went deeper and deeper, kind of like sitting on the toilet in a prayer and I went deeper and deeper into my mind and I got down to a point where I feel like I was getting down really to the decision itself. Like I really went deep inside my mind on that toilet. And I went down into my mind where I thought, either everything that Jesus is telling me is the truth. The sickness is a decision, the sickness is a defense against the truth. It's either what he's, and everything that he's taught me since I've been a little boy in Christianity and in Bible school and all these, in the years I've studied the Course, either everything that Jesus has been telling me, all these years, including the Course, is true, or, what's the option? Or Jesus is the biggest liar ever in the history of the universe. So that's my options. <laughs> Those are my options. And then I started to feel, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I could feel the love starting to well up in my heart as I'm sitting on the toilet. I love Jesus, I love Jesus, and either Jesus has told me the truth all along, or he's the biggest liar in the history of the universe. And then my love swelled up and got stronger and stronger and stronger, 
And as it got stronger and stronger and stronger, I, I whooshed in my mind to a state of mind where the words came out of my mouth. I said, this is impossible. And whoosh, <laughs> the diarrhea feeling, whoosh, the, the whole kind of feeling of nauseousness, whoosh, in one instant of this is impossible. Because I reached what? I reached the decision point in my mind. Because I, because I love Jesus, I, I, that swayed the decision pretty strong. <laughs> that swayed the decision. And then I, I thought, hmm. And I just got up, pulled my pants up, and carried on. Went and had a good plate of uh, microwave food. And actually, you know, it's like when we start to have symptoms, we can have a lot of related ego thoughts, like, oh, I might be catching the flu. That was what I was thinking before I got in the toilet. Maybe I'm catching the flu. I wonder if it's a 24-hour bug or a 48-hour bug, you know, with the nauseousness and, you know, it, it just had some, some of the flu kind of connotations. But those were my thoughts, and they were all wrong-minded thoughts, but still, through prayer and through my love of Jesus, I was able to go into that shift. Now that's kind of what, what you're moving towards when I talk about your motivation. In other words, what you're really doing is when you notice that, you know, don't put the pot uh, down there because, you know, you can burn yourself. That was the guidance. You were clear on that. Then the I don't care was the ego you know, coming in. But deep down, what you're really coming to is, is like, what is my motivation for this course? Because your motivation is going to have a, have a big impact on whether, you know, he says, you will believe this course entirely or not at all. Oh, you know the motivation is like the key. That's going to be the key to learning this course entirely. In fact, if he's saying you'll believe it entirely or not at all, he's basically saying, you know, it's just a book, but there's a decision you need to make in your mind, and you're either going to go for that decision or you're not. You know, like, like in the Matrix, you know, you've got Morpheus, you've got Neo, you've got Trinity, you know, you've got the, the difference, you've got the different characters, and then there's this character called Cypher. And Cypher is the one who's talking to the agent. He says, I know the, the Matrix is telling me that this steak, they're having a steak dinner at the restaurant. He's cutting it and he puts this, the kind of medium rare steak in his mouth and he's chewing and he goes, I know the Matrix is telling me that this is, you know, tasty and de delicious. And what I've learned is, um, he, he wants that. He wants that, that flavor. The Matrix is telling him it's tasty and delicious, and he wants that. And so, he, he basically, you know, goes for it. And he says, um, basically, I don't know, um, put me back in the Matrix. And that's his motive is put me back in the matrix. He's eating the steak and he's saying like, ignorance is bliss. Like, 
Okay, Matrix, you fooled me and I'm going for it. I like the, I like the bliss of ignorance more than whatever Morpheus is trying to teach. So, all I've learned from eating this steak is ignorance is bliss. Put me back in the Matrix. And then the agent goes, Okay, Mr. Reagan, <laughs> he says. And Reagan, of course, was a president, but it also was an actor. If anybody remembers Ronald Reagan, he was an actor. He's like saying, let me act again. Let me act. Let me pretend to be something I'm not. And that's a decision. And that's a motive, you know. And he seems to be the one who's like, who, who basically puts the phone uh, in the, the garbage can so that the, the agents can find um, find them all, find Morpheus and everything. A little bit like Judas, you know, kind of telling him he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, telling the, the guards, you know, you can arrest him, he's, here's where he is, you'll find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. This was Cypher kind of giving away Morpheus and the whole team. And yet, we're not looking at it, this wasn't a real betrayal, it was actually just, we're just looking at the motive in the mind. He just wanted the matrix more than he did to wake up. That's why he turned away from uh, Morpheus and, and the crew. So that's what went, happened in that split second. When you got the guidance, you don't put the pot down there, you'll burn yourself, and then the part that came in, I don't care. You know, like, I don't care if the, if the skin gets burned. Um, that was the ego that, that came in afterwards. But, you just have to keep fanning the flames of your heart. You just have to keep being honest with what it is you really do want. You want to forgive. You really, that's much stronger now in your mind than that other voice. The, your, your desire to forgive is, is stronger now. You know, you can't say you're wholly asleep. If with all the sessions you come to, there's no way you can claim <laughs> you're wholly asleep. <laughs> Even the ego would go, oh, I'm losing Esther. <laughs> she's, like, she's going for it. Go ahead. That's exactly how I'm experiencing forgiveness, like I've never experienced it. Um, I have a friend named Lisa, and she... Um, she likes to talk about the past, and um, so I was allowing her discussion of our past together. We've known each other since I was 16, um, but I was allowing the um, forgiveness lessons to come for me. What is my forgiveness lesson? I just kept feeling it and feeling it, just letting the emotions come up and, and releasing, you know, whatever was coming up, just, and being patient, and, but now, I don't know the purpose of our relationship because I feel like I've, um, I don't want to hash out the past all the time and I wanted to know if you could help me come up with the, she's, um, she's in a lot of pain and she wants to end her life um, because the pain is so great. Um, and I do love her very much. I've always loved her and I told her I was her cheerleader and she's helped me a lot. Um, but I don't know what the purpose of our relationship is if I'm not interested in the past anymore. Yeah. Well, the purpose, it's kind of like, in, if I related to this movie, you know, when, 
when he starts to realize that uh, that the imaginary friends actually are are giving him good advice, he does go to his daughter and he's he's like, okay, what do I have to do? Um, what do we have to do to contact them? And he's willing to do it. He he's following her all over the house and he'll do whatever it takes. And then when he when you know Quali's oh Quali she lives she's in a tower in her in her castle. We'll have to go. He said, "Where is she? We have to go out to her." He, she took him outside, and then she had him. He, you have to dance for Quali, and he did a little, you know, a little like dance. And then she's like, "No, she doesn't. That's not. She doesn't see that, you know." And you, you have more, more. And then she gets him on the stage, and uh, then she's like, "More, more," you know. And then he cuts loose, and he twirls. And the music plays, and she beams, and it's just, he beams. Um, he goes into the dance. That's kind of like with you and your friend, you know, you're just praying, and, and you're clear what you don't want. You don't want to just talk about the past, like rehash the past. But this is your opportunity to go into the dance of what you do want. Just think of your friend, think of how much you love her, think about how if you, if she, regardless of what she's saying to you, you want to give her the greatest gift, you want to give her all this love in your heart, and you don't even have to decide what to do. If you just would show up with her, with all this love in your heart, Jesus will say or do or not do, or will bring whatever is, is healing, because it's in your mind. And whether you have to speak something with Jesus speaking through you or not, you're there to bring the love. To bring the love. I mean, recently, some of you know, we've done these Wednesday things and um, we've had a woman from India that was with us in some, uh, some times ago, Nazari. And um, so she went through a thing where um, her, her young son went into a coma and she took him to the hospital and he, he was in a coma for some time and then our friend Seema got involved, was calling, was contacting, uh, in contact every day, sometimes multiple times during the day. And then recently I just, maybe it was yesterday, I just got a, an email in the morning that with both parents chanting and praying on, in the hospital on either side of the bed, little Dev um, passed on. He passed away, and yet from all the email exchanges and everything I heard, uh, basically um, Dev was sending the message, I'm happy, I'm happy, it's all good, don't be sad mom, you know, that was what was coming through from Dev. And then um, Seema said, actually Dev, the son's name in Hindi, means God. I mean, it was like, all of these amazing symbols from this whole experience with Nazari and, and her son and her husband and, and Sima. And Sima, who's going more away from the, from the doctor, medical doctor, into you know, the Course and Jesus, Mary Magdalene and so forth. So that's, that's what you should think of when you think of this, um, this friend of yours. Just think of all the love in your heart and think of what you would offer in your heart as a gift to her. 
Uh, don't think of what you don't want. <laughs> think of what you do want. Put your mind on, on what you do want, and then that will make all the difference. Talking about Mary Magdala, I was told by a psychic that I was Mary Magdala in another lifetime, and um, I was thinking in my heart that I would like to play her in your Invulnerable movie. And I posed it to Francis and to Suava, and they said that they would pray on it. Um, I really don't know how it would happen or anything, but that's what's in my heart. Okay, there you go. Now you've said it in front of all of us, so it's gaining, it's gaining momentum. We'll see. I think central casting, JC Central will make the final decision on that, but you certainly have offered your, your prayer up. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Okay, let's see. We've got Susan Jameson. Go ahead, Susan. Okay, hi. Can you hear me? Hi there, Susan. Hi, Susan. Hello, hello. Hello. Well, I love you. I love everyone so much. Um, I could watch a movie with you every day. So I'm telling you, I could do this every day, morning, noon, or night, or all three. That's how I feel. It's such a gift. And uh, the film is a masterpiece, and the commentaries are masterful. So thank you. And um, I was laughing so hard. I know I was off the camera, on and off the camera, but I was laughing so hard. What a great movie. I mean, there's so many levels. It was just hilarious funny and crying. I mean, there was just so much emotion coming for me. I just, I just felt to share very briefly that in 2005, and the way I've told Esther and others is I was taken by the nape of the neck. And yes, I had the Course of Miracles with me. But God took me and said, now you're going to learn about Native American ways. No more city girl for you. So although I didn't see it coming, I didn't have any interest. So forgive me, anyone, if I've Native people here. No interest, you know, and I was like, what? <laughs> but if I felt absolutely guided. I, I was guided. It was like you're going to leave the city, you're going to leave the material, and you're going to sit your butt on the teepee on the ground all night long in these all-night ceremonies. I had no clue what what went on in a teepee. You know, now I sat in hundreds of these ceremonies. Mind you, I stopped in 2012. It was done. So, you know, I have lots of stories to share. And there are, some of them are so funny. They're mind-blowing, truly. But I found that I love, I love to pray. And um, I'm not used to talking on a screen. I told Esther that, too. I'm not used to talking to screens. But if you put a big fire in front of me, you know, at 3 or 4 in the morning, and they're rolling tobaccos, and I don't smoke, and I had to smoke this thing, and my smoking this thing, the symbol of that was the patient's life. In other words, he may not survive if I don't smoke this thing. Well, they found out, because I love to talk to God, that... The Navajos, I mean, we're talking about Native women would say, you pray for us. Who? You know, so I would go in at 3 or 4 in the morning with the water, the bucket of water, 
and pray over the water. And some other time I can explain how the whole thing goes. But it was outrageous. And just like one little funny thing, James Etsidy, who is one of my medicine men, full-blown Navajo. I mean, he's a medicine man 24-7. And his blanket could be a crystal or the coals, because he could read the coals and tell you what was happening in people's lives. So he would always express himself at length about who he is and that he's, his name means two rivers coming together. And then I'd be sitting right, right opposite him. There was the fireman, the altar, the coals. Of course, there's a medicine there, which, you know, I have respect for it, but it's so not for me. <laughs> you know, over the hot fire with the tobacco and the water. So then I have to express myself before I pray. And I say, you know, a little bit about my life. And, and then I say, well, I'm two Jews coming together. So he's two rivers coming together. I'm two Jews coming together. And then it would get very serious. So there was so much in this movie that just touched me. That was so funny. But that was part of the undoing, apparently, in my script that I didn't see coming. You know, and I wonder about that because even like where I'm at now, I love to talk with you sometimes because sometimes I'm not, you know, I know it's with you all and I don't know how, but sometimes God's made it very clear. Okay, now you're going to, you're going to sit up in, in ceremony. And, you know, would I rather experience a holy instant or go 12 hours all night long? And frankly, for some reason tonight, I feel like I've done a double header, like I've been up for two or three days in a row without sleep. So I appreciated what you said about your physical experience. But I just love this. I love the movies. Um, So that was a couple of paths ago. You know, I've had all these steps along the way and didn't see it coming. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, you know, um, I was multiplying Three movies a day times 365, that would only be a little bit over a thousand a year. Uh, well, you know, we, we're taking everything into prayer, actually. Um, you know, we, we haven't taken anything off the table, we're just putting things on the table. And uh, Spava's working on her album, and we've got, between the music and the movies, uh, you know, Jesus is honing us in and doing all kinds of different sessions. And then, you know, we just prayed, and, and here we come up with this Eddie Murphy movie. The funny thing is, Jesus is reminding me, like, uh, the movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, Trading Places, is like an answer to the belief in racism. Um, when you watch Dan Aykroyd, the, the white actor, and Eddie Murphy going through Trading Places, and you laugh for uh, an hour and a half or two hours, laughter takes you to a state of mind that transcends uh, the ego belief in racism. Or there's another one that I show a lot, actually, from Eddie Murphy called Holy Man. And um, it's kind of taking the, the whole New Age idea of, um, of prayer and manifesting and everything, and Holy Man kind of cracks open a lot of the, the religious beliefs because it's, it's a holy man coming onto the home shopping network, uh, selling things on TV, and he comes in with this great presence of love and starts to take the goal way beyond um, 
uh, selling things to peace of mind. He's talking about states of mind on the Home Shopping Network. Talk about the Holy Spirit can use anything that the ego made. So, so we, yeah, we're very prayerful because we know that that's kind of like how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit uses things that can even seem a little bit unconventional. Many people think of movies as just pure entertainment, distraction. Um, and we're seeing, like you, that each time it's like having a, a holy session um, with everyone. So, so thank you for your ideas. We'll definitely put that in our peace pipe and smoke it. And I, yeah, I see you have more too as well. As well. Just, just real quick, and yeah, we pray over the fire. And then they said the prayers and the fire went out the top of the teepee. So, um, but also I remember a few movies ago you mentioned something about the possibility of collaborating on some kind of a script, like Days of Future Past, or whatever that was. And I sent it to Linda. I was driving through Stockbridge last week. Suddenly there's a banner that said something like Days of Future Past. Something about Future Past, we're open. So right after the open-mindedness weekend, it said, like, days of the future, something future past. What? You know, day, we're open. So, okay, I took a picture of it. I'll have to send it to you, too. But it was like, okay. You know, just these fun signs and symbols. and Yeah, cool. So thank you so much. script is now launched. <laughs> Our own future past. Yeah, we've done it. We've Francis made one movie, and we've got collaborations on the way. So, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Robert there. Go ahead, Robert. You can unmute yourself. Okay. Um, hey, you know, I, just another great movie, another great night. I'm so blessed to be here. You know that I just. All these movies, I just, I feel like I'm on the verge of awakening every time I go to a retreat or a, a movie. It just feels so inspiring. Really, really grateful. Um, hey, compliments on your shirt. It looks really good on you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, 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 really in sync. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's what you uh, mentioned early on about the rescue team. It was kind of an aha moment for me. I know you were talking about specific people, but I took it to mean everyone, everyone in the world, basically, this I, that I encounter. You know, they're all my rescue team. And, I mean, the ones that give me strong forgiveness lessons, well, I don't wake up without them. That's all con self-concept stuff, you know, and it just really, it really hit me. I like thinking of bad people as my, my rescue team. <laughs> it's, you know, it really helps me to open up to them. Um, in the beginning of the movie, uh, you know, when he was so plugged into the, the Matrix, pursuing all these, you know, I, I basically think of his job in the corporate world, pursuing profits and just all numbers and electrons and, you know, X, next guy, I got to move up and all this stuff. And it's like, it's just the, the exact opposite of everything I want, <laughs> you know, he's, it just really hit like, oh, God, thank you. I'm not doing that or something along those lines. And, you know, and it was, it was really a big contrast in the movie for where you started out to where you ended up, you know. And, um, you know, when he was, 
in with the pancakes when they were putting all that stuff on the ketchup and the mustard, the hot sauce and chocolate syrup and everything. It just uh, dawned on me that, you know, that could be like symbolic of letting go of concepts. You know, I mean, he, he wound up chucking the pancake, but you know, okay, that wasn't for him at that moment, but it's just like symbolic of, you know, just getting over these concepts. Like it, it doesn't remind me of Frank, uh, St. Francis when he was, he was putting ash on the food so it didn't taste very good. And he was, um, had his disciples do that. And he was doing all these things just to try and get rid of all these concepts of what's good and bad, right and wrong. You know, and it was just, it just kind of brought me back to those sorts of teachings. Um, I, I, I guess I have uh, two questions for you. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that. I mean, this movie is all about giving up the ego pursuits and choosing spirit. And just, you know, what, what is your purpose? Where is your heart going to lie? You can't ride two horses at the same time. And I mean, you know, right now I don't, I don't have any egoic pursuits. I mean, and I'm kind of wondering if I need them in order to let them go to wake up. I mean, is that like necessary? Yeah, I was born not really wanting to do anything. I mean, I was, I was born with like a lack of ambition. And I, I, know, I know you praise that. You think, you know, you tell people, let go of the ambition. Well, I never had one, which is one of the reasons why I'm so attracted to your teachings. But, you know, I mean, I, I pursue different careers in the world. I mean, I'm not doing them now, obviously. <laughs> but I, I never really enjoyed pursuing any of them. They never felt good to me. And was, it's just been the story of my life. You know, I never wanted to do anything specific in this world. I never, you know, I, I always appreciated money. I've always been cared for, lived a comfortable life. But I just, I never really wanted to go out there and just make millions of dollars and go all in with the worldly pursuits. And, you know, I'm just kind of wondering, I mean, is, you know, is, is it okay just to start with that foundation? Or do I need to... Is there another approach to it? That, that's my uh, first question. And the, you know, the, the, the second question is, I'm a little bit confused about um, when the guidance comes through. Uh, well, one time I, uh, I, I heard, uh, it was back when I was a truck driver. Um, it came at a time when I wasn't thinking at all about God or Jesus or anything spiritual. I was... You know, I, was, yeah, I had parked for the night at a truck stop, and I was just trying to get everything organized to go to bed. And, you know, I, I heard this voice that just resonated with me. It felt like, you know, it was just like something holy. It's what I would consider to be guidance. It just said, it said my name. It said Robert. And, you know, I, I, didn't, uh, I, I didn't get it to say anything else, but I just really felt that it was spirit. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, this is the analysis, forgive the, forgive the egoic mind, but I'm just, you know, wondering why at a time when I'm not even trying to connect with spirit, spirit connects with me. And then, you know, and then I hear these things, well, God is always talking to you. Well, you know, I know he can talk to me even if I don't, if I'm not paying attention to him. So why does he talk to me? It's like, you know, I'm just still kind of wrestling with these concepts. And, uh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's what I have. Yeah, well, I think um, 
in answer to your first question that about your you don't really have ambitions for things of the world um, that's that's a good lead-in to the deep dive into the subtleties and the nuances of the mind um, in other words it's the life where you've seen like you're not you don't really have ambitions to make something of yourself in the world or to try to become something, uh, become an identity in the world, that's part of a clearing out that prepares you for uh, your launch into this deep inward journey, which you're you're actually on right now. It would be kind of like, um, you know, you you want to you want to be weightless. You want to be expansive. You want to be you want to go into an orbit that is. Uh, outside of the Earth's, we'll say, gravitational field, which is, we'll call it the ego's gravitational field, and you spent your life making it down to Cape Canaveral, Florida, and you get down there and there's this big, oh my gosh, there's a Saturn V rocket with all these, this fuel and stages and a little capsule on the top, and they say, oh look, our astronaut Robert is here. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot of fuel here to get you out of the gravitational field. And uh, thank you. You took quite a long journey to get down here, but but um, we have what you need to uh, propel you uh, beyond the gravity. Still in space, it's 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 light gravity. And but the idea is to come up really out there beyond the Earth's gravitational pull to an extent where you start to feel. Like that Curly song, Zero Gravity. Now I'm in zero gravity. You're, that's the goal, is to be, um, you might say, no ties. No, no ties to bind me. No ties from the past. Like to be free. So in one sense, I feel like, you know, you've come there. Like even right here at Quantico, we're all here in the room. Um, and we're doing these broadcasts and these movie broadcasts. And... Uh, Francis told me that JP told her a while ago, he said, "This I'm the happiest in my life that I've ever been. I get to be live with and be around people that I love. I, I'm in my joy. This is the happiest I've ever been. He also said about the, the Quantico team, he said, wow, everybody's so focused in purpose. It's just a joy to watch because everybody's moving in harmony and moving in the focus of what what's being done through us, you know, it 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 comes more and more. The joy comes in being done through, in in just fulfilling your purpose to the fullest extent. And I think that's your lack of ambition for the world is opening a space in your mind for the spirit to flow through you, even with like you're doing some like stewarding at the monastery, everything that's coming to you and through you is part of this, you're answering the call, you're just saying, yes, here I am Lord, like the Bill Thetford prayer, here I am Lord, here I am Lord. And that's what you do uh, day after day. And that to me is where the, the you're saying really to the light, wash away uh, anything that doesn't belong in my holy mind. You know, that's the prayer. Uh, and so the idea that you've kind of 
let go of ambitions and trying to pursue something in the world, which can be quite a distraction, you know, pursuing things of the world. It keeps the mind locked in uh, nowhere land. It keeps the mind locked in distractionville. So you're now, if there's nuances to face or nuances to transcend, you're, you're just prepared. You know, you've made it to the launch pad and um, there's, there's a countdown. <laughs> and the whole point of the countdown is, is the launch. And the launch comes, you know, just in its time during the, the clearing out or the purifying. So, in answer to your first question, you know, that, that has been helpful, actually, uh, that, that you really have not devoted your mind's energy into uh, making, making something of yourself. Because that's the only error there is, is the belief that, that you can be the, you can create your own reality or you can make yourself as you wish to be instead of being as God created you, as, as pure spirit. So, I think that's just where you're at right now. You can just be grateful for that context because nothing's happened by accident. It's just that you're, you are seeing the valuelessness of the things of this world and you're drawn toward the light. And that's beautiful. That's, that's what getting to the launch pad is all about. And, and you should just feel a sense of gratitude for that, which I can tell you do. You're, you're grateful for that, and that, that gratefulness will grow and grow and even grow stronger, uh, stronger and stronger. And then the second question about kind of um, having that experience come when you were a truck driver, you know, we just cannot, um, we, the mind is so deep and, and our prayers run so deep that uh, experiences can come and it seems as if they're coming unbidden, or it seems sometimes like a surprise. But even with a surprise, it's, it can be a wonderful thing. Like I think uh, that's what happened to the Eddie Murphy character tonight, you know. He had no intention of, of receiving guidance uh, in his work. You know, he didn't even have a space for it at the beginning. He was sarcastic about it. And yet, just the look on his face when he walked into that office prepared to be fired. And instead of being fired, his boss says, how do you do it? And he's like, he's like ready to go into the, oh, I accept my firing speech and suddenly his eyes get real big and he's, he is given a big surprise. Uh, the Spirit shows him something there that, that helps to turn him to the possibilities, helps to open his heart up. So I think that that's kind of maybe what happened with the, at the truck stop or when you were there and you, you had that experience. But it's just the part of the mind that wants to understand, you know, like was I wasn't even asking or praying for God, and God came shining through. But God knows the prayer of the heart, and the prayer of the heart goes very deep. So you may not have even been conscious of your prayer, but obviously there was a prayer for a connection there and an opening. And, and uh, so you can again just be grat have gratitude for that and say, wow, 
It's like God is re trying to reach me. <laughs> Whether I am con consistently trying to reach God, God is, God is uh, seeking me, so to speak, uh, to reach me. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Okay. And Robert, you can just raise the hand again later if uh, Dennis has a question. I'll go to uh, Frank first, though. Okay. Hi, Frank. <laughs> there. He did it. <laughs> you did the swirl. You did yeah. the dance. <laughs> the rain. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, David. I again. Yeah, I love this too. I really love these Wednesdays. I look forward to them. Um, you know, I had. I, it's hard to explain. I had a very powerful. Um, I don't remember a particular point in the movie or some there's things that you said uh but uh, you know you were talking about your your physical that that illness um uh, uh moment and you know i was going through that as i was watching the movie i had a you know i thought i was coming down with something in my throat and all this and and i I just, you know, everything you said and everything the movie said, and I don't remember what it was, but it just kept me, you know, it kept my mind focused on the truth, you know? And then I said, I, and I, yeah, something shifted for me this week, and I really feel my connection, like, it's like 10 times stronger than, and, um, you know, with the Spirit. I mean, with, with Jesus, even that I was always a little... You know, I without being a Catholic and all this, and I've been talking to him, you know, all week, and uh, you know, and it's been really going fast and strong. And so, when I had this moment, oh my God, I'm getting sick, you know, and um, I, you know, just this experience of the movie and the comments, uh, it was a miracle. I mean, it's I can't explain it. It was a miracle for me because. My mind, I could see where it was trying to go, and it, it did. You know, I was like pulled back, pulled back, and I said, "All I have to do is, you know, trust that I hear what I need to hear." And it, it was just riding it, you know, like a wave, and it was really wow. cool. And so, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was was very powerful, um, and and also the fact, you know, that I was going through this, and that then you talk about your story. I had heard it before, but, you know, you mentioned it and said, yeah, that's exactly, you know, it's so what I needed to hear. And I'm also, you know, realizing more and more these serendipity, like, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yesterday, last night at Quantico, Quantico watched um, The Edge of Tomorrow and we watched it here the same night ah. at the same time. And we didn't ah. know, you know, and two, two weeks ago, they watched uh, About Time, and we watched it the same night at the same time, but we didn't know. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of wild. I mean, it, you know, and I'm beginning to say, oh, that's how it is. That's what it is. That's the one mind. So uh, I feel this week I really made a thing, you know, uh, a strength 
And then I was about to lose it as I was lying there on my <laughs> little mat watching the movie. And the movie, you know, and your comments and everything pulled me back or just mm. kept me there. And I knew it was a like spirit talking and just listen. And anyway, that's all I wanted to share. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What a yeah. glorious thing. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. So dear. Oh. Beautiful. Okay, I'll go to Dennis next there in Camas. Go ahead, Dennis. You can unmute yourself. Hi, Dennis. <laughs> uh, I think I got it right. You can hear me. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Dennis. Hi. This movie is absolutely, incredibly perfect for me. Just perfect for me. And your explanation of it was so, so insightful, so helpful. Because, you know, what it's been for me is a slow, gradual, not like Eddie Murphy, <laughs> transition out of resistance for, th- for, for just, you know, giving myself permission to go for it more and more but with all this fear and this resistance in the midst of it and kind of wanting to hang on to uh, my, my life as an ego. And it's part of it is money. And I, you know, I understand the language that they were talking about there because that's the kind of thing that I got into a lot, but never really was good enough at it to, to do it on my own. And uh, also just hanging on to, uh, Oh, the worldly, I guess, I guess you could call it expecta- expectations, but my version of compromise over and over again in relationship to my wife and blaming her for what was really going on with me in my resistance, uh, projecting it out onto her. Uh, and coming here was me saying, I got to go. I got to do something outside of this box that I got myself into to keep this moving because I was making that progress. I was making that commitment more and more. And I told my wife six months ago or something like that, that I was, I I wasn't going to compromise anymore that I was going to live this practice and I was going to follow guidance. And so in the process of doing that, I, I did learn more about and understood more about guidance because I was experiencing more. And then I come here and it's even blossomed all the more because I'm joining with my companions and and working through things and seeing how valuable it is to, to be joining in all that kind of stuff, talking about whatever is the Eagles presenting to you at the time. And, uh, so it feels like I'm at that moment again, and, and I've been trying to play, play cat and mouse, kind of, so to speak, with, with the money, with the sicknesses or symptoms of sicknesses, and, and uh, with my wife and my conventional life to some degree. And uh, trying to come fully to the commitment 
of uh, totally giving it over. And I can still feel, because I watch these guys here at Camus do their 14, 15 hours a day, <laughs> sitting at the computers, and mostly that's what they do, but they do other things as well, but uh, all day long. And I'm, I'm trying to do that, but I find myself wanting to take breaks from it. And that's, I know the resistance is there. And I know that in the midst of doing it, it's, it's uh, enlivening me and spirits there. I had this incredible holy encounter with a woman on a walk d- down the canal here at, in Camas. And there's a white house that sits on the corner of that busy street that you have to cross to continue on the path. Uh, and I walked, was walking on that path and I passed somebody who was on the other side of the canal and I waved hi. And then I decided I was going to cross over to that side of the canal and go all the way down to where the water goes down that steep incline. And then I came back and she was there on my way back with her dog and she said hi again. And <clears throat> the first time that she said hi, she was really just bright and radiant and happy. And, uh, Second time, same thing, and she asked me who I, what my name was. And we were talking, and she was just talking. For whatever reason, she was uh, just talking about different things that she had been going through and what she had done with moving to Camas, of all places, from Fairfax, which is the Marin County, the next county down from, uh, from where I live in Petaluma. And... Uh, she started talking, and we got into this whole discussion about A Course in Miracles because she had been going to a therapist to combine whatever therapy technique he was using with A Course in Miracles that has been helping her. And uh, so we spent probably close to a half hour talking on that path. And she wanted me to come to her house to meet her husband and her kids. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> So we're, we're out there in the front, uh, by their front door, and I get induced to the husband. The husband is uh, he's a, a systems architect, and he provides the blueprint to the, the software engineers to follow his blueprint. And, he, and his blueprint has to have a lot of vision in it, right? And he, he, said, he described working with another person, and they were stuck with this one problem, and they could not get anywhere with it. So he did, he did, what he did is he went and meditated. And in the meditation, he got the answer. This is, well, you follow guidance too. And <laughs> the wife had said that she cracked the cold. So what do you mean by crack the cold? Well, it's the same thing. She followed guidance. And we just got into this incredibly wonderful uh, encounter, a holy encounter that was, spirit was just coming through me. And she had to have, the kids wanted me to come in, inside to, because they'd just gotten some chickens, <laughs> like a dozen of chickens or so. And so I went in there, and, and the kids were like, just, just fa- the family was so felt, as, I know that it was, it was a projection of my love and my happiness and my joy, but that family was so loving and so wonderful to be around. Um, but that was one experience. That's, that's the kind of experience that I want to have all the time. <laughs> and, and it's happening more with my companions here. I mean, and uh, 
so I don't know. I just that's what I wanted to say, and, and it's um, it's given me confidence. Part of this is is like you're talking about, and you have to have that confidence. The spirit's got your back, and that you can trust that it's not what you think it is. The sacrifice and fear of losing this stuff. It's really happiness that you gain when you let go of all this stuff. But I also discovered that you can't do it yourself. The timing of it has to be, like with my physical symptoms, the fear is there, the lack of trust is there, and the timing has to be there. I can't push it. That's what I've been trying to do is make it happen. Uh, and part, part of it, I think, is probably appropriate. I've been experimenting with the hay fever because I was feeling like I needed to wear a mask here so I wouldn't get these intense symptoms of hay fever. And I just decided one day I wasn't going to wear the mask at all, and I did fine. And so I kept doing that on the walks, and then I've kind of experimented with going out and doing outside and doing little projects. And, and uh, so I haven't had much of any symptoms. I've had some, but not, not anywhere near what I used to have. And the next step is going to be pretty soon where I'm going to just not take the, the medication for it and see what happens in because it feels like it's it's healing or healed already. So, so thank you. Thank you Beautiful, for the wonderful night and all of your encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, Dennis. Yeah, you're you're going for it. You're cracking the code too. Uh, you're cracking the guidance code. And um, the funny thing is, the guidance code. We need the guidance code because we've we've had a belief somehow that we need love. Not that we are love, but we need it. And then we've entered, of course, into all these relationships on earth uh, with a belief underneath that we need love. And, and then when we believe we need love, then we also fear rejection or fear abandonment. And so it's, no, no, we can't have abandonment or rejection in there. So we'll, it's like we do a, tra- a compromise. We, we set up these bargain relationships. It can be with the body and the symptoms, you know, like uh, if it starts to get too many symptoms, then it's like, uh-oh, uh, uh, I better watch my end of the bargain here. Or with, with relationships, you know, when we have compromises going on in our mind, there's an underlying belief that we somehow need love and we will play a part to get it. You know, we got to be the good husband or the good father, the good son, the good neighbor, the good something. And we have a concept and then we believe we have to play the concept in order to get the love that we need. And so, you know, it, it was a big step for you to come uh, to Camus. That was a big step. And, and more than the change of location, I, I just feel like that's just you, your prayer to crack the crack the guidance code, you know, to, uh, to start to receive the guidance and let it pour through you and let it, you know, totally embrace you in your mind. And then as you do that, you feel the love, that you are the love that, that you can give. It's not dependent on getting love and playing games, expectations and compromise to get the love. You realize... Uh, I, I am the love, and I have I have the love to give because of who I am. And then, you know, that turns the tables. 
that's your that's where you like Robert you're getting right there to the launch pad the, okay get that uh, astronaut suit on strap me in there I'm ready to uh, take a few G's and uh, and uh, say bye kiss the globe bye bye and go out into the weightless you know weightless grievanceless you know experience of of your natural mind so so thank you. That's beautiful hearing you share your holy encounter. <laughs> so you said something earlier about <clears throat> that triggered in my mind the freedom to be able to um, not compromise in my relationship with my wife. And what you said is what I was experiencing towards before, just before I came here. That I was coming here, the purpose was clear. My wife knew the purpose was clear. She was so much more relaxed and more loving with me. And I can see that that's really what's going to, she's going to reflect what I put out there in terms of my commitment to spirit and purpose. And And I can see that's the that's the way it is with everything, right? It's 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 not what you think it's going to be of your fears that create your resistance. It's really about you going for it, and you get surprised with gifts of happiness and love and joy and peace instead of your fear. <laughs> is that true? Is that is that true for the medication that I take and the laxatives I take? Is that if I if I if I have the faith, if I have the belief, then it's going to work. If I have the doubts, then I'll probably have some symptoms, and it'll make me afraid that, oh, maybe this isn't time for it or something like that. Is that right, or is there actually a time, or do I determine the time? Well, you're, you're just following, the, you might say, the guidance train, you know, when you're on that train, it's the direction of the train is to a sense of peace and freedom. And um, so in one sense, by you, just your willingness to just be guided and to receive the guidance, to, to hear it and to follow it, then that's your part. You know, the, it's just a matter of this, letting the spirit use time for the release, you know, but it's not not you feeling like a personal weight with that, just just to stay in the prayer and to stay receiving and and following. That's it. It's the simple part. It's not you don't have to look to the future and say, okay, are you gonna how are you giving me a five month plan or a twelve month plan or a five year plan? You know, it just doesn't work that way. Your your part is to do what you're doing right now. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> I just said this again today to somebody. I'm not in charge of my awakening. I keep trying to be in charge of my awakening. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. Maybe this time I'll get it and really get it. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's what Frank was just sharing. It just you just receive what you need to hear and then you're grateful. And you don't even know how. You know, you can't can't formulate how it happened, but but you're grateful that it is happening. Yeah, it's beautiful.
Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've still got two hands up. Are you feeling to continue? Yeah, we can wrap it up with the last two. Okay. And, um, yeah, I'm just feeling to, to ask everyone, if you can, just try to get right to the the heart of your question, just since we've been, we've been going for quite a while here. So right to the heart of it would be great. I'll go to Stephen next. Go ahead, Stephen. All right. Uh, I'll get to the heart of it, and I don't have any questions. Uh, there's no more question after a movie like tonight and what's been going on lately. Um, it, it ain't nothing but a thing. And I just thought that was so funny when Johnny Whitefeather was saying that it, when he's dismantling his image. And he's just going to opt for a new image, really basic, a, a, new, a new form. And he clips the, the, the white feathers off and he's clipping his hair off. And I thought, well, that's, that's exactly what, right. It's this self-concept ain't nothing but a thing. It's just a thought. And it's this thought that wants to keep me, my attention on that, uh, that, that magical use of forms and, and symbols and, and so forth. So I really love that. And in that transition to uh, the main character uh, coming into his um, use, use of an image, the, the king with the crown, and, and coming into that awareness of his innocence. And I loved how that theme played out and early on when his friend was trying to tell him about getting in touch with the inner child and how, how that, lately that's been a theme in my life. Uh, uh, then, then when he's bought the Johnny Whitefeather's buying the blanket and they tell him, well, it's the innocence of a child that will really matters. It must, must come through the innocence of a child. And David, man, this has been the theme, too, of the special relationship aspects of the uh, previous setup and just what's been going on for me, um, this, this reoccurring theme of just accept the innocence, get in touch with the innocence, allow the innocence, allow that to come through, remember the innocence. And so that theme was just beautiful tonight. And, and, and again, um, I came lately i've been paying attention to the rose as you know the rose and the innocence and the virgin and, and all of those symbols have been working for me in, in these beautiful choral works and i was i came across a a, a choral piece um based upon a poem by uh, alfred lord tennyson and it was now sleeps the crimson petal and boy you take a look at that poem and it goes from a an erotic romantic piece that works at that level. And then, then it, you realize this shifts into the holy relationship because the sleeping crimson petal is, is the son of God that's asleep. Um, and it just, it's beautiful and beautiful music pulling my attention into these nights, into these themes. And I've been watching these movies like crazy lately just because I love it. And I think, how could it be any better? How could it be any, any more fantastic to have a medium and to have this interaction with everybody and to be watching with intent and to have, have, a, have a movie produced and directed in the music and the cinematography? Um, my, my mind lately was kind of blown away because I was, again, that theme of the pearl. This is a pearl. This is the pearl, the pearl of great price. And I came across a, a movie just the other night, and I've been spending a few nights with it, taking it in slowly, but it's called The King of Cups by Terrence Malick. And he, I, I wasn't that familiar with his work, but he, he's kind of off the beaten path type of movie director, but you really have to pay attention. But King of Cups, is a, it's the hymn of the pearl. And it's so well done, but it's, it's not for everybody because it's not going to just capture your attention with a linear dialogue, but you're going to realize real quickly that this is about you. You're, you're, 
you're the king of the cups. You're, you're, the, you're the prodigal. Uh, you've got to find the pearl, and you've forgotten about this pearl. So this movie tonight, and, and, and all of it was so fun, and how that humor breaks the spell and allows my mind to loosen up and appreciate what I'm watching and, and how it's for all of us, but it's really for me and to own it and to take a look at these symbols coming through. And that was about a, it was a while back that I was doing some research on some things and I, I was looking in the chakra type of stuff, which we all know about and the crown chakra. And there was just some images that you always see behind the Christ, behind Jesus and all the saints and the Buddhas, they always have that crown lit up and it's the crown chakra. It's the, it's the connection, if you will. And I, I, I looked my name, my name means crowned one. Now, I, 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 when I read that and realized that and connected that, it just was like, oh, could you have any better symbol than that one? Not from an ego standpoint of, oh, you're, you're special. You're, you're really special now because you have a name that means, you know, you're, you're the one. You're the Christ. But, boy, I have to, I have to really take that one in and, and let that penetrate in this movie tonight where you have the paper clips and, and it's a crown. No, it's a king hat. Well, for the ego, it's a king hat. But for the realization of the truth, it's, it's a crown. And, and I love that. And then the, the whole setup, it's just all there. So I'll, I'll cut it there. All kinds of fun things to, to share uh, that I was also picking up with um, just the, the, the themes coming through and the humor, how the humor is so important and how that breaks the spell. I remember Miguel Ruiz would always talk about the humor breaks that spell of seriousness. And, um, boy, we, I, we step into that stuff frequently. But thank you, David. This is beautiful. Keep going with all of it. I'll be here supporting and joining in and just, um, yeah, keep it, keep it going. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Always gives us, it's beautiful, rich symbols. And even more, you bring the gift of more symbols that, that are all throughout the film. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, and I'll go to Tim. We'll finish up with Tim. Go ahead, you can unmute yourself there. Thanks, Eric, and uh, thanks, David. It's awesome to join with you guys again on these Wednesdays. Um, I'll make it pretty quick. Uh, earlier this week, I was praying. It seemed like there was like just some little shift in perception that I needed, and uh, I started looking on YouTube and I started videos about trust. And um, I actually emailed it to some people, and then it's like I heard it again at the beginning of this, um, and I asked a question in the chat, and I was sort of guided to uh, Manual for Teachers. Um, chapter 4 has, I guess, some stuff about trust. And then, uh, I don't know, I was looking at the end of doubt, and something jumped out at me, and it, it was just this sentence, which I don't know, it's, seems like it applies how long can it take to be where god would have you and uh i read that and it was like oh my gosh like it just seems so like like it just hit right when i read that and i i just feel this like desire to dig into trust and i was wondering if you have any other like leads on that because it seems like that's the thing that's really helped me out is that i feel like spirit provided that answer this week and i was just wondering if you have any like little you know books to read or parts of the course you would recommend or anything but mostly thank you appreciate mm. it oh thank you tim yeah i mean um we actually at our monastery we have a, a picture of um 
really like a painting of Jesus when you walk towards the monastery from the parking lot. And uh, I believe it says something like, trust settles every problem now, and it, which is a variation of the Course. Uh, trust would settle every problem now. And so it's kind of tying the trust into the now. And, it's, and where would God have you be? It's come to the now. And then also the idea of guidance, because sometimes guidance gets so associated with the future. You know, what am I guided to do in the future and everything. It's kind of relieving and relaxing to start to think about, oh yeah, that's right. That's that's what it's all designed to do is, is point me in the direction of, oh yeah, it's back to the now. And uh, back to contentment and uh, to peace. So that's nice because sometimes people start to think in terms of guidance so much so in terms of the doings um, that they put like a pressure on on themselves around the doings. So I think it's beautiful that you were guided to that in the manual for teachers. And uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I there's we do have a lot of movies part of our mwge.org and and uh, even that um, that book Quantum Forgiveness uh, uh, Physics Meet Jesus. That's a small book, but it's actually taking um, a, n a number of uh, episodes and uh, movies and pointing to the quantum field, which is now. That's, that's the other uh, pointer towards coming to the now. Using some, uh, I guess, episodes and movies that really, with the Spirit's guidance, you know, is kind of a springboard or a launch board into, uh, into this present moment. So, yeah, that's just what comes to mind right now. I think you might you might enjoy that. It's a small little orange book, but it's it's packed full. Uh, short but sweet. <laughs> I just put a link in the chat there for you, Tim, so you can click on that to find the book. Beautiful. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you again. It's been just a joy being with you, and what a fun journey we have when we can just pray and see what movie we receive, and then just kind of go go down. Uh, it's like a group of parachuters leaving the uh, the airplane and, and jumping, and then we're all holding hands. We're in formation. <laughs> we're all dropping together uh, in a big circle, holding hands and going, going down in faith and trust. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, wow, look at that whole group up there. Wow, look at that. And there's Benito. Oh, sweet. We love you. We love you. Beautiful. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great time. There's the little mascot there, Jessica. Peter, have it there. <laughs> Our Wednesday night mascot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful.